There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Dormammu, I come to bargain. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? Dormammu, I come to bargain. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo, and today we are talking all about Benedict, Benedict? Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. Uh, and to talk about this, I have assembled a spectacular suite of sorcerers. First, from the peach lair, wearing his peach hat that doesn't have a peach on it at all. It's Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? Why does it belong to Benedict Cumberbatch? Is it like a Dr. Seuss novel out of nowhere? It's just his his name is fun to say, okay? I don't oh, know what you want from me. Even when you say it incorrectly, it's fun to say? Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, like an East West Bowl character. <laughs> He was in the uh, DeVry I think, University. I think in the sequel to East West Bowl, one of the car- one of the guys was named Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that oh, is correct. Perfect. Uh-huh. perfect. It works out. What are those voices we hear first from the Sound Cave? It's the Sound Lord himself, Chris. Hey, what's up? Hey, I just wanna I just wanna say, Peaches, it's good to have you back because uh, uh, last week, as Angela told me earlier, we were rendered peachless. Ah, so, that's uh, nice. So it's, uh, I miss. It's good I, to have you back. I did miss talking to you guys about Civil War. I do like that movie a lot. I'll yeah. just quickly say at the end when we're ranking everything how I feel about it. But yeah, it's good to be Bach. Yeah. We've also got resident writer for all things Assembly Required and Squad Up, Robbie. Robbie, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, trying. I'm wearing like three Breathe Right strips so that I sound as little nasally as possible as I'm battling a cold to be here. You could just do me and just be as nasally as possible at all times. Well. <laughs> I just try not to do that to our many <laughs> listeners. <laughs> uh, also joining us for this momentous occasion, making his assembly required debut, it's Danny. Danny, what's up, buddy? Hey, hey, how's it going? Living the dream. Now, I'm sorry, listeners, but at some points you're going to be like, is that Danny talking? Is that the Sound Lord? Who knows? It's kind of like a fun game the listeners get to play. I can tell them apart. What are you talking about? I can't. Ooh, no, me really? neither. It's fine. No. <laughs> this is why I always announce myself when I call my grandparents. Like, hey, it's Chris. They have color ID. <laughs> they know. But I'm just throwing it out there. So, like, because on the phone, is it Chris? Is it Danny? Who is it? <laughs> I know someone. I know someone that every time they text, they sign the text with their name. Ooh. So I think for this podcast, you need to do that. It needs to be, oh, I give this movie 4.5 MacGuffins out of ten, Chris. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast for a note from the Sound Lord. I edited out some personal information that came out here in the middle of some joking. I'll tell you that so you can understand what comes next. Back to the show. Y'all just doxed the shit out of yourselves, just so you know. Like I had nothing to do with it. It was him. Hey, this, I'm the first Lord, names, I'll... last name, dad's name. You want to throw everybody your your uh, first address and your. We don't all have number? super cool aliases like you. Let's all just call each other by different kinds of fruit for this episode. <laughs> all, right. all right. What do y'all want? Pineapple. 
I'll be no, I'm kumquats. I'll be guavas. Okay, give me the Actually, big orange. You just set up your own joke. <laughs> orange, orange, orange. All right, so we've got big orange and little orange. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the big one. It's so true. We got Mario no, orange and no, Luigi the other orange. It's true. Just like your much, yeah. much like in the Mario Brothers, the younger brother is the taller one. So. Well, this wait, also, they're twins. Haven't you played Yoshi's Island? Oh, that's true. All right, well, I do slide around when I walk. Well, I've had enough of this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. What kind of nonsense would you like? Thank you. <laughs> I like waited like a whole like three seconds for somebody to say it. I don't know what that's from. Don't worry, one of those voices that sounds kind of like Danny will edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm editing out my dad's name, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so fun i'm so yeah, afraid that, i'm so afraid that it's like one of my bank questions now <laughs> what's your bank account information though oh well it's uh, no <laughs> um so we're talking all about dr strange um benedict cumberbatch's dr strange on this episode <laughs> <laughs> benedict cumberbatch presents <laughs> Dr. Strange. Dr. Stephen um, S. Strange. MD. We're going to start off by uh, talking a little bit about the comic book history of the character, and Robbie is going to start us off with that. Robbie, go. All right. So, stop me if you've heard this before, but Dr. Strange was introduced by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee in 1963. Have we heard that uh, before? He first appe- Actually, no. Uh, this this series. No, yeah. I'm sorry, I stopped um, you. No, no, that's 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 a fair point. Yeah. Uh, Stan Lee, early '60s. That's almost everything we've discussed. That's not Captain America so far. Yeah. Uh, first appeared in Strange Tales number one hundred and ten, um, and he was the master Doctor of Strange Tales. Yes, he was the master of mysticism. Uh, Strange's comics delved into Eastern myths and religion and featured surrealist art. Um, and my research uh, showed me that in the early '60s they were very, very popular with high college students. Um, they, they were, they were shocking, uh, but a little bit of backstory, and this will be interesting because it's going to sound real familiar when we talk about the movie. Um, Stephen Strange was a very arrogant MD and PhD who suffered a car accident, shattering the bones in his fingers, causing his hands to uncontrollably shake when they were, uh, they were operated on. He wasn't healed properly and he was seeking out someone to allow him to learn how to heal so that he could, uh, continue his job as a surgeon. So he sought out the source. Wait, so that was parallel? Yes, yeah. That's straight from the comics. I'm kind of surprised at that. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. This, this is a podcast, not a Robbie Reed's cast. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, Strange seeks out... Kumquat? <laughs> That's right. Sorry, I'm Kumquat. Strange seeks out the Sorcerer Supreme, the Ancient One in the Himalayas. Uh, when he meets the, the Ancient One, the Ancient One refuses to teach him his uh, powers of mysticism thinking that Dr. Stephen Strange is way too arrogant. Uh, but then Strange discovers that the Ancient One's apprentice, Baron Mordo, is going to turn on him and attempt to assassinate him. He manages to help uh, tip off the Ancient One and stop the assassination attempt, wins the Ancient One's trust. Uh, Baron Mordo is exiled and becomes Dr. Strange's lifelong arch nemesis. Uh, while the Ancient One teaches Strange the powers of mysticism and turns him into the new Sorcerer Supreme. Strange learns the mystic arts and takes up residence in his Sanctum Sanctorum in Greenwich Village with his butler Wong, uh, uses his powers to become the new Sorcerer Supreme and protects the world from mystical threats. 
Um, and he frequently finds his uh, path crossing with battles with the warlord of the dark dimension, Dormammu, which is also kind of his other um, arch nemesis along with uh, Mordo. Strange has had occasional ongoing comics. I think the last one ended in 96. There may have been another short run more recently. Uh, but he's... Oh, yeah. The... Yeah? I think he actually has an ongoing right oh, now. Oh, that's cool. Um, they brought him back a, a couple years ago. Yeah, he's he's off and on, but mostly he's a supporting character. Uh, appears a lot in Spider-Man, um, and also kind of uh, with the Avengers as well. An interesting thing, if you read a lot of Marvel crossovers, is that every almost every Marvel crossover requires a trope um, of some sort of hand-waving story element to sideline Doctor Strange, because he's basically really OP and kind of a breathing deus ex machina in the Marvel comics. Um, so there's always the, this is how you occupy Stephen Strange. Like, Endgame did that with a flood. Um, the Ebony Maw literally was created as a plot device to occupy Strange and keep him away from Thanos. So who is more powerful, Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch? This is exactly so, what I was just going to say. <laughs> was Is it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it probably depends on the writer. Um, I, but probably Doctor Strange but Scarlet Witch has done crap far beyond what Doctor Strange has ever done. Um, but yeah, they're both basically kind of that same sort of idea of, yeah, you know, this is what I need the plot to do, so this magic person will do it. Um, Doctor Strange's powers are much more, like, understandable than Scarlet Witch, because he's literally just magic. He just makes things happen, whereas her, she's got that hex thing, which is more like, like her powers kind of vary based on the story. Um, he has very set, like, like laid out powers. It's just they're basically whatever he wants them to be. Um, anyway, that's Doctor Strange in the comics uh, for Doctor Strange on the screen. I'm going to pass it off to the one that sounds like Danny. Ooh, speaking of the one that sounds like Danny, this is me, Danny, and I just wanted to say earlier my brother Chris said Stephen S. Strange. His middle name is Vincent. Uh, so Stephen V. Strange. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, real time. Well, thanks for calling game. me out on that. Yes. I did yeah, not know. Stephen is the strange. Am I right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's me, Chris. Uh, I'm going to talk about the film development and release a little bit. So development for this film began in 2009. The film was announced in 2013. Then it had a pretty straightforward development cycle. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was the early hope for the role. I feel like for as long as I'd been hearing about a Doctor Strange movie, everyone was saying, "Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch should play him." Uh, yeah, like 2009, I feel like, is when yeah. we first started hearing that. Everyone just sort of seemed to agree, and I feel that like the universe... That's when I graduated from... high school. Well, great. That's when development for my Doctor God. Strange began. Wow. wow. <laughs> Bring it back. That's when I met my wife. Aww. <laughs> uh, anyway, so other other uh, names on the wish list or who were approached for the role or, or in talks to be considered for the role included Tom Hardy, Jared Leto, no. Joaquin Phoenix... Yeah, yeah, no, no, no to Jared Leto, please. Uh, a lot Ethan, of Batman villains in here. Yeah, yeah, we've got Bane, Joker, Joker, uh, Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, Ewan McGregor. We got a couple Star Wars guys in there now. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Colin Farrell, Keanu Reeves, and Ryan oh. Gosling. So uh, I can't see any of those. No, I would Not love to see one. Keanu Reeves. I said Keanu yeah, Reeves would have been a very interesting, unique choice, but I'm cool with what we got. Yeah. And Keanu should be Moon Knight. Um, <laughs> Ooh, yes. Yeah, I oh, forget yes. Who's, yes, someone yes. said that first, but that, I think that's a great idea. Um, I think I first heard that idea from 
I don't know, some comic writer said it. Anyway, so uh, Cumberbatch initially turned down the role due to other commitments, but Marvel wanted him so badly, they said, okay, <laughs> we'll reschedule the movie. So they did. Uh, so the film wasn't released until October 2016. Uh, Scott Derrickson was tapped to direct it. Uh, he uh, His background was horror coming into this. Uh, he directed quite a few movies. Notably, I wanted to point out The Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister. So he had sort of a horror background, which was unique. Uh, We didn't quite see it so much in this movie, but uh, he's he's returning to direct the sequel, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And he's saying and he has been quoted as saying that it is going to be the first scary MCU movie. So, you know, we'll get to see him dip into his horror bag of tricks for that. So uh, the movie grossed uh, six hundred seventy eight million dollars. Fairly strong reviews. uh, Your typical Marvel movie story at this point. Uh, the, there was controversy. And this is this is the big thing we should talk about when it comes to the least controversy about the characterization of the ancient one. So, nineteen sixty-three, uh, ancient one is introduced in the comics, and it was surprise, surprise, a racial stereotype. Uh, you know, an ancient, you know, ancient Chinese secret. He was a Tibetan mystic, mystic uh, of the sort of of the Fu Manchu stereotype kind of thing. Uh, so, you'll notice Tilda Swinton is not an old Asian man. What? Uh, yeah, right? And uh, there were references to Tibet that were removed from the movie because they didn't want to anger the Chinese government. I feel like we've talked about this before um, <laughs> in, in another location, in another time and place. But China is a big, uh, big film market, so they didn't want to risk upsetting them because China... Uh, if you know anything about uh, Chinese politics, does not recognize Tibet as its own location, really. So, uh, and so that's a very big deal there. And the way the Chinese government runs the film industry there, you don't. If you want your movie released there, you have to play nice with them, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, so, uh, uh, C. Robert Cargill was one of the screenwriters of this of this movie. Um, I'm just going to read you this quote from him. Uh, the Ancient One was a racist stereotype who comes from a region of the world that is in a very weird political place. He originates from Tibet, so if you acknowledge that Tibet is a place and that he's Tibetan, you risk alienating one billion people. There's also a risk of the Chinese government going, Hey, you know one of the biggest film-watching countries in the world? We're not going to show your movie because you decided to get political. So, it, it was... I mean, the, the the Tibet thing, that adds a whole other wrinkle to this, uh, to the story. Uh, but... It was sort of one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things because they wanted to avoid a racial stereotype, which is admirable. So they may, so they, but, but there is a history um, and, you know, sort of a continuing thing we see in Hollywood of, of whitewashing uh, there over the years. And, you know, we're starting to see that turn around with movies like Crazy Rich Asians and, uh, and uh, we've got Shang Chi coming out soon from Marvel, um, and and of course there, are, you know, you you have your exceptions like Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee, and uh, you know, big Asian stars. But for the most part, there are a lot. There's a great history of whitewashing Asian roles in Hollywood. So it was on the one hand, yes, they're avoiding the stereotype. On the other hand, hey, they just took away a role from from an Asian actor. So there was a lot of controversy about how they handled the ancient one. So you know what I find interesting about that, and maybe we can talk about it now so we don't have to talk about it later, yeah. is yes. that they you know, they open the film 
with Tilda Swinton. And you kind of assume that she's like a powerful sorceress because she's, you know, battling all those dudes. And then later when Dr. Strange finds his way um, to her, he basically stereotypes the guy in the room that is the Asian stereotype Fu Manchu guy as... And that guy basically thing. looks like the ancient one. Like, yeah, it's actually a pretty clever bait and switch. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what's weird to me is that they did this move for the reasons that they did it, but then they made the character stereotype a person in the room thinking that that guy must have been the Sorcerer Supreme, you know? It's kind of a weird thing to throw in the movie if you're avoiding putting that in the movie. I think Chris is completely right about it being a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Like, yeah. it, uh, I mean, I get it. it. It's, I think it's good that they got away from the racist stereotype, just like they did the Mandarin. But in this case, it easily could have been, you know, an Asian actress. And what they said is the reason they didn't go with an Asian actress is they felt if they were too old, it would be a dragon lady stereotype. And if it was too young, it would be like a, like a, you know, a, a, trying to think of the white world word but we're all people of the internet um a young asian uh attractive girl stereotype and i just feel like that you being really you were just trying to avoid a... saying waifu aren't you yes yes i am well i'm sorry i said it for you <laughs> this is danny by the way hey um, <laughs> oh danny but, but i feel like that's just being too narrow-minded like I, I guarantee you you could work around that you could absolutely have I don't know. What about somewhere between really young and really old? I'm sure those Asian actresses exist. Some but... sort of middle age. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if only. And so it just... And it all kind of sucks because Tilda Swinton, I feel like, is fantastic in this. Um, and and I did enjoy the character, but I, I don't know. The whitewashing doesn't sit right to me, and it doesn't feel like it was necessary. I feel like you can... There's a middle ground between... Uh, uh, whitewashing and getting away from stereotypes and they didn't do it and the 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 tibet quotes also just feel like i get it i mean i understand you're in a difficult position you got to sell in this market um but these open quotes of of acting like well it's a good thing because you know china doesn't think they're people so we're just gonna we're just gonna or i should say sovereign people so we're just gonna you know why would i make them angry what's the point of that there's no money in making them angry it's it's just being a little bit too honest about where your priorities are for me, but I guess I should, maybe I should commend that. You know, I, I tend to disagree with the whole rock and a hard place kind of thing. I had a conversation with my wife the other day about, um, Antonio Banderas, and I promise this is relevant, but as a Hispanic not, person, talk. I, love Antonio Banderas. I am, I'm actually not a huge fan of Antonio I Banderas. I hate him too. Uh, same. <laughs> same. Mostly because people like him and, um, I brought up Sofia Vergara as well. They're very, um, they're caricatures of Hispanic people. Yes. They are, you know, very, very, I mean, you could say that they're, they're like walking caricatures, you know, they're, they're, the way that they're utilized is a, a stereotype in and of itself. And I think we were talking about it specifically because I was talking about how much I love Pedro Pascal because he is phenomenal in his role in The Mandalorian and he is Hispanic, but he's not, you know, in your face, you know, cool, Latin, suave, Hispanic guy. He's just a Hispanic dude playing a role. Um, and you can tell he's Hispanic. He has a, a slight accent. Um, but it's not something that's overtly crazy. And it's, I want to say it's respectful. He's not Hispanic in the role, obviously. I don't think Mandalorians are Hispanic. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were but... Maori. 
Cassian Andor is kind of the same way. Cassian is another is another yeah. one um, that's that's fantastic, and I think they could have done something like that with the ancient one. There is a way to to play a respectful role to take this character and say, "Hey, look, instead of doing this character, we're going to do a respectful role with a person of this race." And it could have been better. And instead, they were like, you know what we should do? We should get a white lady to do it. And that just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right to me. And there's this, there's this whole other thing as well with, with China, right? Like, it's tough, man, because right now, right now we are in, if you listen to our other podcast squad, if you know that we are in a, it's a tough time to be an American company dealing with China, right? Like if you're an American company, you got dealings with China, you got some bad looks and this is another like bad look from an American company being like, Hey, we're not going to do stuff because we don't want to piss off China. Um, and it's tough. It's tough that it happens specifically in the things that I make podcasts about and the things that I specifically put my name to that. They're like, Hey, look, we're going to be the ones to be like, Hey, we're going to change this for China. Um, but I think that there's, there's something to be said here. If you're upset at blizzard for, for what they did, you know, you got you don't necessarily need to be pissed off at Marvel as a whole, but be like, hey, look, this yeah. wasn't a cool look. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's like a, it's a it, it is wrong to be like, hey, look, you, you know, if you're upset about what Blizzard did, this should also be something that doesn't sit right with you. I'm not right. saying don't watch a Marvel movie ever again in your entire life, but these are similar occurrences. So if, like one correlates to the well, other, I think. And I'm fine in this case. And maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm fine in this case of saying, like, this isn't the time and place for us to make our our pro-Tibet stand. And we're just going to we're going to make a film. We're going to stay out of that and we're going to make some money. It's it's literally just the quotes just being so open about, well, we needed the money. So we have to agree with China about this lack of sovereignty. Like it just and, and the fact that we just just saying the word Tibet makes a whole country angry. And we're just kind of like okay with that because we feel like there's nothing else we can do and i don't i don't know it just makes me a little uncomfortable i'd love to know the context of these quotes too because i i I follow him i follow cargill on twitter and i think he's actually really he's really cool in how open he is about the writing process he gives a lot of great writing advice and he's also very open about the realities of screenwriting as a business and I could see, and again, I don't know the context. I've heard this quote before, but I don't know the context of it. And I'm wondering if this is just him saying, hey, look, we wrote the movie that we could write in the constraints that the studios put on us because they have the business thing in mind. It's like, well, I don't know if he's trying to say that, hey, as the writer, my concern is telling a good story, but I work for the company and the company can put these, you know, they have to keep in mind their business. And... I can't imagine having to shudder your feelings because you work for a large company. Yeah. Hard, hard, hard to think about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a tough look for Marvel on this one. Um, I don't think anybody can, I don't think anybody disagrees with that, that it's a, it's a tough look, man. Like they, they had an opportunity to do something cool and it looks like that moving forward, they are right. Like we've already talked about Shang-Chi. Uh, they're staying very, very, they're trying to be very respectful with that role. They're, you know, they're hiring all Asian actors and they're trying to get people that, you know, would be representative in that role. And that's fantastic. Um, and maybe they've learned something from this. Maybe they saw this or maybe they're so giant now that they're not scared. That's possible. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys ready to start talking about this movie? Sure. Actually, I'm very yeah, ready to talk about this movie. 
so the movie opens to a bunch of shadowy figures entering an ancient library and beheading the librarian that's there. It's actually, <laughs> I know, it goes it's from zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Um, there's a, a a leader of the group we find out is Cassilius. Cassilius? Cassilius. He kind of looks like, yo, he's wearing the same outfit as Scorpion from <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I just have to yeah. say that once, and oh, then we can true. keep going. But every time I look at him, I'm like, what is Scorpion doing this oh, time? Man. He's over here. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a figure in a yellow cloak confronts the group and pursues them into the streets. Uh, there's a lengthy fight with both sides causing the the world around them to fold in on itself before Cassilius escapes through a portal. Dum dum dum, and also, then we get the on. like. I just want to say that like, everything you just said, and I don't know how it could be said better, just makes absolutely no sense if you didn't watch this movie. You you better have watched the movie. <laughs> This whole movie doesn't make any sense, even if you watch the movie. Yeah, this, is, this movie's hard to follow. Yeah, they, uh, but we're going to do it. They ancient library and then go out onto the streets of what, London, is it? Right. Uh, yeah. Is it London? I yeah, know. I think you're right. It's London. And Yes, yeah, it, is it is London. And I just accepted that. And now that I hear Eduardo say it out loud for this podcast, I'm like, no, hold on. <laughs> this is weird. Well, <laughs> it's because there was a magic doorway. Keep up, right. people. That's <laughs> very strange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, we then meet wealthy New York rock star neurosurgeon Stephen Strange, played by the owner of this movie, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm sure he owns a copy. And uh, his his ex love interest surgeon, uh, Christine Palmer. She works in the ER. She is played um, by Rachel McAdams. Strange is brilliant and talented, but arrogant. Hmm. Where have we seen this before? <laughs> and only takes on extreme cases for personal glory. That sounds strangely like uh, another uh, popular doctoral person, Danny, uh, enlighten us. Well, if you, if you, the audience, are familiar with British actors playing American doctors, then you know that we're talking about Dr. House, who uh, Gregory House. Yes, I do remember his first name. But, yeah, you have Benedict Cumberbatch, I had to say it too, it is fun to say, playing this American neurosurgeon, and he speaks with the same American accent as Hugh Laurie does when he's uh, in-house. Um, but you, you have these, as strange isn't as misanthropic as House is, uh, he seems to have more of a uh, liking to people, like they're listening to music while he's doing surgery. Very casual, just open head that's not a thing um <laughs> open head surgery <laughs> yeah open head surgery um listening to earth wind and fire and then chuck mangione um feels so good and it does i probably doesn't feel very good to have surgery done on your brain but that's not the point um, i'm sure he was numbed <laughs> oh hopefully uh but yeah so you have these brilliant kind of uh grumpy doctors uh it's just if you put um, Hugh Laurie in that first scene, you're like, okay, yeah, this is House I'm watching. Um, the end. And if I can add, House is uh, inspired by Sherlock Holmes, another ca a character that Benedict Cumberbatch is famous for playing. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow, this is all full circle here. Holmes yep. and House. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, you get it? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think like even his address on the show was like twenty two eighteen, which looks like two two one B, which is Sherlock Holmes's huh. address. 
Yeah, that's that's all I have to add. I never actually watched. I'm upset House, that but... you just didn't say Sherlock Holmes is home. Sherlock Holmes is house, and uh, and house is home. I'm lost. I guess. I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all very. This podcast is folding in on itself, anyway. and I don't know where reality um, ends. Oh no. <laughs> We need to get a little a little ding counter like in um like that YouTube channel that points out all Cinema the things sense. wrong with movies and every time someone yeah that one and anytime someone ding. says strange it just dings and then there's like a tally <laughs> that we'll we'll announce at the end. There needs to be a YouTube channel of anytime Cinnabon makes a mistake called Cinnamon Sins. <laughs> this is why you're on the show today danny (laughs) certainly not the other thing so we get strange he's going to some sort of conference he tries to convince rachel mcadams to go with him she's like nah man i ain't your i ain't your girl anymore and we we get some we get some uh we get some chemistry between the two of them um, Strange then drives recklessly. He's you know taking calls about future appointments. Um, he including including Rhodey, Colonel James Rhodes is is pitched to him, which I just caught on three watch. I thought they said that he was thirty five though. I thought, I I thought said they said like forty five. Oh, did they? Oh, in that case, yeah, yeah, yeah it's Rhodey. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I for whatever reason I heard thirty five this time, but I could I very well or i mean they might have said 35 and then that's clearly a lie but i think it's yeah no it would make sense that it's roadie though because they do say an uh, air force pilot who is paralyzed well and it's right this is right after civil war true right true if it's not a a call to roadie then it's a really really interestingly like coincidental (laughs) it's like why would they say this if it weren't (laughs) right um, so Strange drive reckless, drives recklessly. He gets in a really gruesome car accident, badly injuring his hands. Um, we get this really interesting scene with him and Rachel McAdams, where he's on he's in the bed and he's you know asking her what they did to him. And we get a, a, a really fun. Uh, I don't want to call it a fun line because I don't think it's a fun line, but I think it's a really like strong line where she's talking to him and she's like, "Look, nobody could have done like they couldn't have done better. Like no one could have done better." And he looks at her and he says, "I could have done better." Too bad you were the one in the car accident, stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're telling me he drives that crazy nice car and it doesn't have like text to speech. Like he couldn't text by speaking or have the car read him the text message. Well, he was looking at it the was, he was looking at the brain. Right, he was looking at like a like a picture. His car couldn't have projected. Listen, he's Iron not, Man Three. We just think Iron he's Man like 3. Tony Stark. He's not literally Tony Stark. No, no, no. Hush, kumquat. Listen, what he Iron Man three, friggin' Guy Pierce rolls some marbles onto a table, and the marbles have projections of the inside of galaxy brain on them. His car. Damn it, Peaches! He's a doctor, <laughs> not a futurist. I'm just saying, it's not realistic. I appreciated that. That's so, the one non-realistic thing about this movie. About. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's not realistic. By the way, he didn't have super te- technology in his car. Yeah. Since I'm just a simple country bumpkin, can one of y'all help me out? Is there actually like mountainside roads where you crash and you're still in New York City? Um, 
I did think that was weird. Yeah, where was he? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, oh, he's like he went upstate or something. Then all of a sudden, oh wait, no, there's like Brooklyn Bridge or something. Yeah, <laughs> like in my brain, New York City is Coruscant, but I've also only spent like two hours there with peaches, and all we saw were some sacks on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> okay, I just filming locations. The accident that changed Doctor Strange's life took place a few miles north of Port Jervis, New York, on the Pennsylvania border, Route 97, oh. near the Delaware River called the hawk's nest hmm. so he was in pennsylvania near pennsylvania okay known for so then he right was choppered over <laughs> all the way to new york <laughs> city yes that car so he was across the whole state <laughs> he's lucky it was just his hands <laughs> i mean i know people want to get out of new jersey but that car just heated straight over it oh, so no, the hawk's nest driving from the hawk's nest to new york city is uh 82.2 miles it's a two-hour drive <laughs> oh, if you take if you take nj15 south so oh, interesting um well, this movie's not realistic well within reason for an airlift though i think yeah if, if you want to sure. but, it's about... in the, it, but it's in the background of his car when it crashes yeah that's that's less realistic yeah that doesn't Maybe make it's a, a really sense. good camera well that's like <laughs> Well, it's like, look, any movie that's shot in California, although although apparently this was shot, this part was shot upstate New York or whatever, but like, like any TV show that's shot in California that doesn't have a budget, like every place looks like California. Like it'll be a shot of Florida and you'll see mountains in the background. And it's like, yeah, it's not true. <laughs> What's a mountain? So str- str- <laughs> Strange's hands do not fully Nothing heal. a mountain with you. But... <laughs> Uh, so strange's hands don't fully heal leaving him unable to operate uh uh, this is a part where i'm going to interrupt danny can you speak on that Uh, yeah but can you tell can you tell the people why i asked you to be on this apparently i was brought in to be the token disabled member of the panel (laughs) oh my god i have nerve damage in my hand so actually, when this movie was kind of was that really the reason you brought him in? Yes, to it get is. a nerve damage expert in no, here because because, <laughs> because because after he saw this, this is a true story. Yes, after after he saw this movie, I was I was very glad. Me. Yes, I I texted him and said, "Finally, some representation for me in superhero movies. Somebody that has nerve damage in their hands." Because I've got all the guys named Chris, yeah. so he needed someone. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes, so uh, I do have nerve damage. It is true. My ulnar nerve was severed in my left hand in a canoe accident. I don't want to go into detail about it. Um, but it hurt. Were you driving 88 miles an <laughs> yeah, hour in your canoe while looking at the rain? so hard. Just flying down the river. <laughs> down the side of a mountain. He looked down at his phone. And, and then, f- oh my goodness. I flipped. <laughs> I can't um, see anything. Kayak? <laughs> uh, We're about a minute 45 into this, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you put time codes on this guy. There's no way that they're going to ever be accurate. Uh, <laughs> there are time codes on here? Um, yes, yeah, so I... I had to go through my own healing process. I didn't go climb mountains in Tibet. Uh, I Did wish you I... yell at Rachel McAdams? No, I would never. 
<laughs> good, good man. <laughs> um, and I, I do want to say that for how bad he got it, he's able to use his hand a lot better than he should have, even before all of the mystic stuff. He, at one point, he holds uh, an X-ray. I think we'll get to that in a little bit. But he's holding an X-ray. They're like, "There's no way how he can grip like that." I have just one nerve sever, and I can't even hold a piece of paper like that. Come on. That's so unrealistic. <laughs> anyway, yes. Well, I didn't know any yeah, of Yeah, Peaches, that's what's unrealistic <laughs> thank you, about yeah, this Thank you, Chris, so, for parading your brother out oh, for us to all know, know about this. Lava. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so seen. Yeah. He, he has a dead man's nerve in his hand now. It's cool. Yes, it is true. Dead man. Do you really? That's cool. Yeah, they, um, so the surgery to repair it actually took place several months after it was severed because the first hospital I went to didn't tell me it was severed. They just cleaned it out and stitched me up and said, all right, you're good. Because then, No, wasn't it because they didn't know because it was like so perfectly severed in such a way that shouldn't have been possible that no one else, because like the... Yeah, somehow all the bones and cartilage and everything else were unaffected but somehow a nerve got cut even though it was underneath those things i don't know i'm a freak um <laughs> so at one point my hand deflated okay. because of muscle atrophy does. and then I, yeah um so then i went to a hand specialist and they said ah oh, yes your learner severed let's fix that and that was in december the accident was july so you know several months oh. of no nerve connection will uh take a toll and uh they couldn't just they could just reconnect. Science. They had to uh, cut out the dead ends and put in a new nerve. Yep. So that's well. <laughs> so Strange okay. pursues <laughs> options Moving to on. return to his. That's hand, enough of you. <laughs> but he is unable to. <laughs> Jesus. I have to go. I just, I just made the same face that group makes when when rockets of boo hoo, my wife and children are dead. <laughs> I just went, but it was real. Um, it's real. Yeah. Christine tries to convince Strange to move on, but he angrily shuts her out. Now, Rachel McAdams in this movie is. To me, one of the most gripping people when she's on screen. I think she has wonderful chemistry with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I think she's a great actress, and I think I, I just I, I wanted more of her in this movie. I think anytime we got her, I thought she stole the show. I thought she was she was great, and it's it's kind of a shame that she wasn't in there more. Like I get why not. She doesn't really fit into the plot more. It sounded like they wanted to use her more, but they didn't end up doing so. She will be in the sequel. Um, so hopefully we get a little night nurse action happening, but I was just kind of sad that she, uh, that she wasn't in there more. Cause I thought she was, she was great. Anytime she was on screen, I was, I was compelled. I'm also sort of in love with her. So, you know, that doesn't hurt. Which makes sense. <laughs> well, and, and I'm glad you said that because one thing is in love with her. Yes. Because I'm in love that, with her. <laughs> it makes me feel better. But also it's just, I think the dialogue between the two of them and the chemistry between the two of them is, is one of the best things about this movie, that op that opening sequence of them walking through, not opening of the film, but the sequence where they're walking through the hospital is just such a great, does a great job of establishing character, of establishing their backstories, their motivations without really being super, you know, uh, what's the, 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 as you know, trope, you know, as you know, me as Dr. Stephen Strange, I only take on the hardest cases. Like, no, they, they do it very, it's, um, it's just done so so very well done 
there's not only believable chemistry between the two of them, but you learn what they're about and where they've been without it feeling like you're being hit over the head with ex exposition. And then the scene you talked about of him sending her away and her, uh, uh, man, I should have written down the line, the, um, but her goodbye speech, the, is way more realistic and believable than that speech ever is in a movie. Um, partly because it's well-written, partly because she does a, there's great chemistry between the two of them, and partly because she just delivers it so well. Um, I, I'm with you that she's compelling and I wish she was in more of the movie, but at the same time, like, the way this movie is, I don't really understand what role there was for her in the rest of the movie. Um, so, I don't know, I'm torn because I get why she wasn't in more of it, but I'm also with you, she was great every time she was on screen yeah and I, go ahead no, no go ahead chris okay i was just gonna say i think it was interesting that you you brought up night nurse you called her night nurse that oh yeah christine palmer in the comics was a character named night nurse and am i correct me if i'm wrong Robbie, because i was looking it up a little bit last night is she a character that debuted in some of the non-superhero comics and then ended up making the transition to superhero like <sighs> um like patsy walker well did? so Yes and no. Um, so Night Nurse started, there's actually three Night Nurses. Um, they're roommates, and they act as right. Night Nurses. And it started as... They were yes. roommates. <laughs> it started as a um, sort of a, a, a romance and, and like, um, a, a, like a, a young women's uh, comic series. And then it started, but because they were nurses at night in New York City, superheroes were coming for them to help. And it became more and more of a superhero thing. And then they started popping up in superhero comics um, with Christine Palmer being one of the most noteworthy uh, night nurses. And she became, eventually just became, she was, you know, nurse to the superheroes. When you get stabbed by a mystic blade, you go see Christine Palmer. Um, and I do like that that ends up being part of her role in this film like she's a doctor she's a surgeon here but it's the same idea of you know well Stephen strange gets stabbed go find night nurse or night surgeon and get fixed up by the incredibly attractive night surgeon i, th I, th I think we we agreed on dusk doctor Dusk doctor yes go get seen by dusk doctor <laughs> yeah that was uh the one that sounds like gandy gets credit for that it's um it's fantastic i like sunset yes. surgeon Ooh, sunset, sunset surgeon. surgeon oh that's better Ooh. yeah Ooh. that's kind of a, a nice florida to sound to it too i don't know <laughs> Sunset Surgeon I've, sounds like a cocktail. <laughs> I played bass for Sunset Surgeon. Uh, oh, but to your point about Night Nurse, you're kind of correct. Um, Christine Palmer first showed up in Night Nurse, but her roommate, Linda Carter, who was also a Night Nurse, she was in, like, literally just a comic book about being a student nurse. I think it was literally called Student <laughs> Nurse. But it was basically like oh, yeah. like a, a more realistic, like, Archie Comics-style comic that was i guess in earth 616 um i was gonna say i thought linda carter was wonder woman but <laughs> i said that first i think did you okay i maybe muttered it very quietly i'm sorry and if it needs to be and if it needs to be spelled out well <laughs> well chris you actually have a better idea about this um what oh night yes nurse, so... was night nurse potentially elsewhere in the mcu yes no they uh so this movie came out in 2016, and on the other side of the MCU, over in the Netflix corner of the universe, Daredevil debuted in 2015. And while they were breaking the story and writing the scripts, they actually planned to use Night Nurse, and they were going to call her Night Nurse. 
And then the film studio stepped in and said, uh, you can't use her, actually. We might have plans for her down the line uh, for the movies. So they ended up using... Uh, what was... I, I'm sorry. They used Rosario Dawson, and I've already... Rosario Dawson. Uh, yeah, but I forgot her character's name already. Claire? Uh, Claire Temple. Claire Temple, yeah. They used Claire Temple. Who is a Daredevil character, and then Daredevil. they gave her some night nurse characteristics in the in the series yeah they ended up using her instead in the netflix corner of the of the marvel cinematic universe uh so because this is one of those things where the movies take precedent and they're like ah you can't have that character we dibs well and as we have this discussion eduardo i think the right way to get more rachel mcadams is not more rachel mcadams and dr strange it's just having sunset surgeon in the mcu like you know thor thor steps on uh, on a little uh like uh, insect alien and well take the insect alien to sunset surgeon and get him worked on. Like I, I really would like to see Rachel McAdams in the larger MCU kind of the same way Claire Temple was in the Netflix series where she kind of showed up for everyone. Um, Rachel McAdams could be the surgeon to the superheroes. I would love to see Rachel McAdams as a night nurse in a lot of these movies. And anytime she gets something, she's, more surprised than she was the last time because everything every every time that she's surprised about something that's happening in this movie i think is great and i would love to just for them to just keep escalating things on that character just be like all right well now you gotta patch up this talking raccoon sorry um (laughs) this giant tree broke his arm off you gotta fix that too uh you know and just keep escalating things for her i think that'd be great Basically, let's get more Night Nurse. Let's get more Rachel yes. McAdams. No one disagrees. Eduardo is right on this one. Uh, <laughs> for once. <laughs> for, for once. Let's get Night Nurse uh, on the Strange, disco- <laughs> Strange discovers a victim. Oh, excuse me. Strange discovers a, uh, a victim of spinal injury who managed to walk again and asks him how he did it. Um, this uh, Strange is sent to Kathmandu, Nepal, to seek Kamartaj. Kamartage? Kamartage. Mm-hmm. And is saved from mugging by Mordo. Mordo knows Strange seeks Kamartage and takes him to meet the Ancient One and her cult of sorcerers. <laughs> what an interesting way to write it, Robbie. <laughs> I have a cult. I think I'm accurate. Uh, the Ancient One, the woman in the yellow cloak for the beginning of the movie, shows Strange the ability to create magic, though he is initially too arrogant to understand an arrogant protagonist goes through some tragedy, and comes out a hero. Interesting. It's almost like we've done this before, right, Robbie? Yes. Um, also, saved by a uh, someone who was an Asian character in the comics whose race was changed for the sake of this story. Um, yeah, this is all really familiar. In fact, this is really just Iron Man. This movie is mystical Iron Man. Um it's Tony Stark is an asshole who gets hurt, who gets saved, who humbles himself and becomes a hero who saves the world. Um, he is, he's brilliant and he's got a goatee. Well, I guess he eventually has a goatee. Um, (laughs) yeah, this, this, this movie, this movie is in the broad sense, it's just Iron Man and it's really pretty. It's, it's ground we've already treaded. What's weird is that I think it sets itself apart despite that. Despite the fact that it's just Iron Man, every the details in the movie are what sets it apart. Like, it, it's they took this story, hey, we already did this, and then they just dressed it up really, really pretty, and I am absolutely here for it. Um, the dialogue we've already talked about, it's snappy, it's clever, it's convincing. Um, Tilda Swinton is a treat every single time she's on screen. Um, Cumberbatch is... 
I'm going to say it right now. Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Doctor Strange is way more compelling to me uh, than Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. He is better at vulnerable. He's better at arrogant. He's better at charismatic. Um, it, it, it's I'm interested in every phase of his story more so than I was for um, for Tony Stark. And I liked Tony Stark, but but I just find the Cumberbatch role just that much more interesting. The humor is pitch perfect. Um, and most significantly, like this is the most visually stunning film in the MCU. And one of the most visually stunning films I think I've ever seen. It does that inception thing where you're folding in buildings and streets and making them not make logical sense. But I honestly think it does it better than inception. Just it's not original because inception already did it. Uh, but I think it took that idea that was, that was better. It, it just, the, the, the constant visual impossibilities, um, the, the surrealist dreamscapes it does. Like when, when he goes to see the ancient one and she sends him through, um, just all those realms of weirdness and the tiny baby hands on his fingers. And <laughs> like that stuff's creepy. I, I, you know, now that you've pointed out, he has a fractal right fingers. now that you've had the fractal fingers. Yes. Now that you've pointed out, Chris, that he had a horror background, it all makes sense. Um, Oh, and the slow motion lightning when they're talking, and we'll get to this later, but when the hospital talking, that slow motion lightning, oh, yeah. that's cool as shit. Um, the, the, the final, the final fight with the time oh, effects okay. when everything's going backwards. Um, just all the clever ways they show off magic in this film. Uh, I, I just, and one of you guys is going to talk about the soundtrack, but the, the audio is great. Just it's Iron Man, but I think all the little details were done. And we're going to talk about some other stuff that I think is clever later on, but everything I think detail wise was just done in a way that despite being a retread story, it feels really, really fresh in the MCU just because of all of the, the window dressing, if you will. Uh, yeah, I will I agree with you 100% on the visual, uh, but I'll let Danny talk first. Yes, you will. This is me, Danny, not Chris. Um, the visuals, yes, the scene where she sends him flying through all the different dimensions is just so comic book. The colors pop off the screen. I watched on a 4K TV last night. Uh, uh -huh. So very special? beautiful. <laughs> Uh, but just like all the all the visuals uh, or like the the things that are appearing and the the way the colors are used is just mm -hmm. that's comic book movie to me and I, I I love I love when these movies aren't afraid to do stuff like that get weird with it because the source material as you said <laughs> high college students loved it and there's a reason why <laughs> it's uh, all the it's psychedelic trippy uh you don't need drugs when you have dr strange yeah um <laughs> that's my um that's my psa to the youth that are listening uh all right eduardo you want to be a contrarian do it why do i want to be a contrarian i just assumed <laughs> what actually peaches peaches wants to be the contrarian i mean i'm gonna be with Ooh. peaches on this one but peaches you do it first so it's not a you know a broken I, record. First of all, I wish I would have read this ahead of time. I don't think that it's done better than Inception. Did you watch Inception? When's the last time yes. you've seen it? Because that is... Here, okay, here's the thing. Is that all of these visual effects are really cool. The first, like, three times. And then it's kind of like an overload of kaleidoscopic effects. And, like, while it is cool... I don't really need it after the first handful of times. Like, we get it. You're in the mirror dimension. You folded a building into another building, into a road, into another building, and a car did a thing on one road, and now it's going a different direction on another road. Like, 
it's cool. I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm saying that the overload of all of those effects just kind of wears off after watching it for an hour and 57 minutes. So, well, okay. I don't know. So, I, I think it is visually stunning, but I don't need to watch an hour and 57 minutes. But of I don't think it was an hour and 57 minutes of the same thing. I think they did different things throughout the movie. Yes. The, the opening sequence is more of what the New York fight was. I'm slightly, I'm slightly exaggerating, but it is, it is quite a lot of scenes that have all that going. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I disliked it because of that. I'm saying that after a while, those visual effects, it was kind of numbing. Like I didn't, they weren't as cool anymore because I had already seen that visual effect three times before the fourth time. But that's what I'm saying to me. I don't think I did like the, the, the part where he's making all of Hong Kong go back in time. You hadn't seen that prior in the movie. The, the being, I watched an apple get uneaten. Basically the same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The part where he's being shot through all the dimensions when he first gets to Kamertage, you that hadn't all been seen before. Um, I do. No, that only happens one time. Right. That's right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that that's my point. Is that that's. It, <laughs> I'm talking it, about. I'm talking about the kaleidoscopic effect of like. But that's what the I'm tile saying. Tile on all the ground is super. But that's weird what I'm saying. Is that's only snowflake. really used in two segments. The other, the other, all the other great visuals are doing different things. Like yes, that thing happens in two different scenes, and you've already seen it. The second time it happens, you've already seen it. I'll give you that. But I will. I'm staunchly going to stand by and say that the rest you of can. the movie that did clever visual stuff was doing different stuff from that. I agree with you that I don't want to watch a whole film of what that New York fight sequence was, but I don't think it was a whole film of that. And I'm, I'm going to back up Robbie here and say that I, I love the kaleidoscope stuff. Uh, it It's a great way to bring in, as Danny said, the, the comic bookness of it. I mean, if you go back and read some of the old Ditko uh, Doctor Strange books, I mean, they are some of the weirdest pages you'll ever see. Uh, so it, they did a really good job of translating that. And it, specifically for the opening sequence versus the New York scene, while some of the effects in there were similar, I think that they used them differently enough that, you know, because now you've got like two people and they're like leaping while the, I, I, I don't know. It just, it, it just felt different and bigger the second time around. It was like the first one was like, here's your tease of, of what we can do. And then they really went all out. And I want to pair this. I want to pair this later, though, with another point that Eduardo and I will have in common. So let's let's Eduardo, do you have anything to say about this? Because I want to shelf this. And Mostly that I agree with. I agree with Peaches here. I thought some of this kaleidoscope stuff went on just too long. There were certain I've watched this movie a couple of times. And now the third or fourth or fifth time watching the movie, some of the scenes make a lot more sense. But the first time I watched this movie, I had no idea what was happening. There were people yeah. going all over the place. And now that I kind of understand like Dr. Strange, what he does, what these people are doing, it made more sense to me. But the first time I watched this movie, it was like nonsense. I was like, what is even happening? Maybe that's the intention. I Maybe a part is. of it is supposed to be this, this sort of psychedelic style. It, that just doesn't it doesn't gel with me. I wanted something just that made a little bit more sense than this did. It's a big jump from like we have seen some more at this point in the MCU. We have seen a few weirder, more comic booky things like the yeah. talking raccoon and some of this the more mythical stuff from Thor. But this was like a big leap. Like yes, this is right. this is like we were going like forty five. 
like Iron Man, we're going 10 and then we're slowly accelerating. And then we're going 45 with like Guardians. And now we're at like, well, and and what you're saying is almost word for word something Chris has in the notes later. And I actually do agree with that. The movie does say it is though, right? Like there is a scene where they're looking at the world and they specifically talk about how this isn't how the Avengers protect the real world. We protect the mystical. They're in the movie. They are setting themselves apart from the rest of the MCU saying we are different. This is a different thing. We're not the Avengers. Did you notice though, that when in that scene where she knocks his astral form out of the body and they're balancing between all the different universes that we actually see the quantum realm. Yes. Yeah. Which we, yeah. I noticed that for the first time this time. Yeah. So, which was introduced in Ant-Man so ant-man is actually kind of the first time that we're introduced to this weird the weird trippy visuals of the universe and then dr strange oh yeah you know it, it, but for a second it's like ant-man was like man ant-man was like the difference is ant-man does it well here and oh whoa 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 <laughs> whoa 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 all right okay wait we gotta we gotta move on because we've been talking about this Are for we- this is like that argument we had uh, in Ant-Man about whatever it was. Let me ask, before we move on from Robbie's point completely, EMP. are we going to talk about what he said about Stephen Strange versus Tony Stark? Or is that something that we should hold off on until later? Because I had some opinions about that. But... I agree oh, yeah. that they are similar. Uh-huh. I, I literally sent that in the group chat that I was like, hey, are Doctor Strange and Tony Stark the same person? Because this is very, yes. very similar. Uh Chris, I saw your eyes bugging out of your head when Robbie was talking, so I'm very interested to see it's like, what you're going to say. Okay. I like Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange a lot, okay? I don't think I like him better than Tony Stark as Iron Man. And if we're just going from a character perspective... Robert I th- Downey Jr.? That's what I meant. <laughs> Tony Stark as Iron Man. They're the same Same person. damn thing. <laughs> Dang it, big <laughs> orange. I'm sorry, little orange. <laughs> Um, anyway but like Stephen strange is a jerk like i I think he's much more of a jerk than tony oh absolutely uh like the one that i wrote down is when he's seeing the physical therapist and the therapist is trying to help him and he and he like just looks at him and goes answer me this bachelor's degree have you ever seen this (laughs) and he's like yes i have and uh, and it's just like, what a horrible thing to say oh, to absolutely. a person. <laughs> you know? I agree with you. He's he's a dick. Like, they both play a character that are, they're both dicks in a different way. But Tony's kind of like the uh, dick because of his actions character. Whereas Doctor Strange is like right. verbally abusive to yeah. people. Right. I, I know when I pose this question to you people, because I know you all well enough to know what you're going to say, who is worse the kind of nice charismatic guy who's selling weapons of war or the really arrogant asshole who saves lives through surgery. Ooh, Ooh, I think I agree with Robbie. Oh Oh, no. (laughs) To be fair, Tony stopped selling those shortly after we (laughs) met him in the movies. Yeah. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch stopped saving people (laughs) through medicine. So take that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Like, what? <laughs> to talk about the humanity of Stephen Strange for a moment, I will say the scene that really stuck out to me this time in rewatching it is after he ends up killing the guy yes. on the astral plane or whatever, he is like yes. shaken by that because he and he says, Shooketh. Yeah, he says, 
I became a doctor. I took an oath to do no harm, and I just killed someone. I cannot do that again. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh wow, okay, he does have a conscience in there somewhere. Right. He's just uh, really and, full and I, of himself. He's not into yeah, like other people's death. He's just really full of himself. Yeah. It's like I <laughs> think we give Tony Stark a pass on how much of a dick he is sometimes because he's yes, funny. Yes, Eduardo, get him. But that doesn't make. That doesn't make him any less. Well, no, because if we're going to compare, if we're going to compare Tony and we're going to compare Steven, I don't think it's fair to be like, well, Steven's worse because he's not funny about it. Steven is just more direct, but I think they're the same kind of, I think they're both rude people. Just Tony does it in a funny way. And I don't disagree that Steven is more rude. He is. You've also had had like, 50% 50% of the movies in the MCU to like watch Tony stop becoming and then a start dick, over again. They have to movie. really, and this, and this will go, <laughs> I know, but, and this will go back to the point that Eduardo and I are going to talk about later, but he's like 150% extract of dick for like 40 minutes in the movie. And then he's suddenly not a dick at all. <laughs> What I'm saying is they've accelerated that portion of his character arc so quickly because they're making the movie an origin that he's like super mega ultra dick and then he's like wizard prodigy. You know what I mean? Where are we in the plot? I don't know where we're at. Wait, wait, he he literally just, just got had the car oh, accident. No, he, he, oh, okay, no, 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 no. We're past the car accident. Okay, good, good. Oh, he, good. We got the we're at the part where the he's like, he's he's the, uh, the first time. he's already met Ernesto uh, de la Cruz. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate that Coco reference. Yeah. Uh, Casilio and his followers used the stolen page to contact a distant dimension. Uh, Strange begins uh, to take to magic pretty well, quickly consuming books and learning how to create portals and conjure weapons. Strange then finds the Eye of Agamotto, which we will later learn is the Time Stone. Um, And he learns to use it to manipulate time, but is then chastised by Mordo and Wong for violating the laws of nature. Um, I want to break here really quick because... Isn't Wong just fantastic? Yes. Just everything with Wong is just great. He's just so he's just so funny, and he plays the straight man so well. And I don't mean like straight man is like a. Yeah. Like a, I, I mean like in like he plays mean, the yeah. straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they. You know, it's interesting because they talked about the fear of oh no, the ancient one is a stereotype. Well, Wong in the comics, uh-huh. my God, uh-huh. he was the you know the Chinese butler, the you know please you know all, all the time just like. Uh, he, he I'm was... glad. I'm glad we don't put up video of these podcasts. <laughs> I can't you did that to your eyes. <laughs> I did not. No. For the, for the Danny, I hate you. Um, so I'm not I on video, no and that's thing. just what I assumed. No, I. To... Why are you putting on a? Why are you putting on a robe? I my robe and wizard's hat because we talked about Doctor Strange. Put the chopsticks down. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, can you? What I was doing was I put my hands together and was bowing like a a servant is what that was. This is why we can't have short in the comics. Yep. Um, (laughs) 
I did nothing with my eyes or face or anything. I did not Mickey Rooney and, and Breakfast at Tiffany's or anything. Um, but yeah, that's what Wong was in the comics. And they turn him into a badass librarian. Um, played by Benedict Wong. You take you take the character's name, you take the star's name, and you get the actor that plays Wong. That's What's funny to me in rewatching is how originally... The movie with two Benedicts? My favorite kind of breakfast? The best kind. Uh, what's, what's funny to me in rewatching is how when Wong is first on screen, and really for most of the movie, he is a serious and intimidating individual, and then by the time we're in the crossover films, he's the comic relief. And it does kind of happen in this movie, but it's it's uh it's weird, it's strange, if you will. My my ah my favorite thing about Wong was all the memes we got after Infinity War about how when everything got bad, he's like, I gotta go. The the sanctum's alone. I've gotta watch the building. <laughs> Wong peacing out. Um, so despite his quick learning, Strange bristles over not being uh, being told more about what the magic is used for. Mordo and the librarian Wong eventually tell Strange that Cassilius was a disenchanted former apprentice of the Ancient One. They further explain the existence of a terrible dark dimension. And the three sanctums in New York, Hong Kong, and London that protect the Earth while the sorcerers protect the sanctums. Um, the dark dimension, which feeds on life and where time does not exist, is a dimension contacted by Cassilius earlier. This, uh, Strange begins to state he is not ready for something so big, but they interrupted by Cassilius attacking the London Sanctum. Uh, so Strange ends up in New York, and the New York Sanctum then sees Cassilius arrive and attack and kill its defender. He kills him. He just straight up whacks him. Uh, and Danny... I thought there was a sorry, real quick. I thought there was a line after that battle where Mordo says that that guy, whatever his name was, was yeah, they took it. They took his, an infirmary or something. They took his body back. Oh, well, yeah. they didn't say they took. They took his body. They didn't take. They didn't oh. because if he was alive, why would Correct. New York need a new? Yes. Protector? That makes sense, right? Um, Danny, you're you're a fan of old uh, Cassilius here. You're you're a fan of the guy, right? Well, yeah, yes, um, I am. I actually, I, I had that point because I wanted to pose the question to all of you of what you think of him as a villain. Uh, I know Marvel movies have been criticized for a villain problem, whether that's uh, overblown or not is, you know, a different question. But uh, what do you all think of him as a villain? Um, from... My point of view, uh, I enjoyed Mads Mikkelsen's performance very much. Uh, I think he's a great actor in pretty much anything I've seen him in, um, and including this movie. And I know the scene after, uh, well, after the fight where uh, Strange is able to lock Cassilius up in that strange uh, contraption. I don't know what it was called. <laughs> The Crimson Bands of Sidorak. Yes, of course. That was on the tip of my tongue. Um, wait, I think that's from the Orange <laughs> Origin story. Ooh. Yes. Keep so going. Uh, he he gets him wrapped up in the Crimson Bands of Cinnabon. Cinnabon. <laughs> Cinnabon. <laughs> also, that's a move in uh, Ultimate Ooh, Alliance. Yeah, and and Sidorak is also the ancient god that Juggernaut gets his powers from, I think, in wow. the comics. So that's a yes. weird connection okay. there. Well, anyway... Yeah, uh, Cassilius is 
giving a speech uh, a classic villain monologue but he's already he's trapped right now in in these <laughs> crimson bands and he's explaining to strange what his motivation is and you know it's obviously a problem <laughs> that he wants to destroy earth pretty much and have the dark dimension consume it all but he has his reasonings and it's not just evil for the sake of evil like you sometimes get in villains um and something i noticed watching it yesterday um he's tearing up uh giving mm -hmm. this speech i wrote that down actually too yeah so i obviously you know he was disenchanted with uh he discovered the ancient one was uh taking some of her power from the dark dimension that's why she is the ancient one uh she is feeding off the dark dimension for uh eternal life basically uh, and that is what set him off and becomes, you know, uh, he tells Strange this and Strange confronts the Ancient One, um, which we'll get into later. But this kind of feeds into Mordo down the road and then probably future films, uh, assuming Mordo will show up again. But I just want, what do you guys think? Uh, do you think he is a good villain? Is he one of the weaker ones in the MCU? I don't know, Mads Mikkelsen plays him really well, but I feel like Mads Mikkelsen was wasted. Like, yeah. It's almost like this film doesn't have a villain. Um, like, it does, but they're not... Most of the story doesn't have to do with a villain. It has to do with... I don't know, Stephen Strange is the villain of this movie. Hey, Stephen Strange is the villain of this movie. Whoa. Um, and Stephen Strange has to un overcome his own villainy uh, to become Doctor Strange? I don't know. Man um, himself. Oh, we're using our made-up names, <laughs> Mr. Doctor. But like, it's <laughs> yeah, gonna. I love that. It's gonna be weird because I love this movie, and yet it not really because of the villain. I actually think it, it's cool listening to you say all these nice things about him when I was actually pretty bored by him. I did mean to mention that I think he was underdeveloped. Uh, I wish there had been more time for him to uh, kind of explore some of the background. But I know, obviously, origin story of the main character of the movie can only focus so much. Some of the other characters are underserved in that. He's kind of one of those, like, you don't really get a ton of development from him. He just, he begins as a bad guy, and he stays as a bad guy, and he ends as a bad guy. Like, he's already developed by the time you're introduced to him in the movie as somebody who has, you know, darker intentions. Um, so for that reason, it's hard to, like, care about him too much, but I think he makes scenes of the movie entertaining i but i don't know if that has to do with him or if it has to do with the fact that i just like the action sequences i think he is underutilized and i also think his character doesn't get an end to his own arc i think we get we get a you know we get him saying you know hey look i, I you know this is what i want and then we go all right instead of fighting the villain we've had through this whole movie let's go instead talk to <laughs> a giant floating head in the sky and we're going to let that play out instead of a climactic fight scene which Robbie's already said that he 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 likes that decision and while i think it's a fun scene i also think it kind of just kind of deus ex machina is the whole thing. It's like, you know, rather than face the people that have been doing these bad things, rather than actually, you know, you know, doing what the Source of Supreme is supposed to do, he instead, you know, finds a way around it, which, like, sure, that makes sense, but it, like, it's kind of like a cop-out. Like, the character doesn't get an ending, and instead we just kind of go, all right, everything's hunky-dory right. now, we'll never see Dormammu well, again, so peace. And, like, 
I don't know. But he gets an ending. He is a mindless one now. Yeah, well, yeah, gets, that's the problem. It's it's, it's like a the dark dimension, which is what he wanted. Right, yeah. but it just it's so like the character doesn't ever become defeated. He just yeah, it, sort of circumvents the character. He like went and he's uh, Doctor Strange was like, I want to speak to your manager, right. and then he got <laughs> he, he got he got him fired. Like, well, and I think <laughs> I think I actually, despite liking this movie, do agree with that. And I think that one of two things could have served this movie a little better, and it's either the Dormammu presence shows up sooner in the film, or you could have. I'm sure you could have written deal with Dormammu, then deal with Cassilius, say, having lost his Dormammu powers or what. Right. I I do think it does. This is a film that leads itself to Deus Ex Machina. Um, However, I do think you still could have had a a little bit more of a better ending specifically to the Cassilius arc. I would I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that he gets an ironic ending, but it's so underplayed that you don't really realize he yes. gets an ironic ending. Yes, and, and I think I think we all agree that Mads Mikkelsen is a r- very good actor, and he does yep. great with what he's given. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool if he'd been given more, but I also get that they wanted to get to Dormammu in this movie as well. And then but you- I wish we would have. I wish we would have. If we were gonna have Dormammu, I wish we would have had Dormammu. I agree. Yeah, like yeah, because we I, don't I really get Dormammu that- the way that he is in another media really right and we don't really in the 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 little snippets that we get it's a very short here's dormammu for a three minute scene and then we never see him like we've talked about him this whole movie we wanted to make room for him and then we had him here for a second and then he's gone mm-hmm. you know doesn't I, he in the comics too doesn't isn't he portrayed as like a humanoid yes. figure? yeah he's got isn't like he a like, flaming head and, he and he's can, got yeah. flaming he can his size but yes he's like, yeah yeah so that's interesting yeah, I just want the comic book Dormammu. I, I want to... I think he looks cooler that way. I, I, I'm yeah. not a huge fan of the play. It reminds me of... Um, do you guys remember Rise of the Silver Surfer, what they did with Galactus? How he oh, was just this yeah. like giant like floating head thing. That's what Dormammu reminded me of, and that's why I just haven't... Yeah, been yeah, you know, because it is really disappointing that we didn't get good Galactus. And, like, hope, right. and that's like my biggest hope now that Fantastic Four is going to be folded into the MCU Agreed. is that they'll, eventually, they'll actually do galactus right but yeah no that is kind of what they would do dormammu i mean at least he was still a character and sure. not just like a cloud um <laughs> but he was like, galactus a, is my favorite exclamation couple steps of, above it you know great googly moogly um <laughs> So Strange attempts to defend the Sanctum while learning to use its powers in combat. The Cloak of Levitation chooses Strange as its host and assists him in combat. With the help of the Cloak, uh, Strange is able to subdue Cassilius, who tells Strange the Ancient One taps into the Dark Dimension herself to live forever. Did anyone think it's cool that the magic carpet from Aladdin got to be in this movie? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It's no, it's a flying piece of fabric. They have the same personality. Don't don't act yeah. like they don't. Like it is literally yeah, that's right. the same energy. Yeah, same energy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Great saying that's a energy. bad thing. I actually love the cloak of levitation, and I hope it gets more to do as a character because I think it's really fun. That that's a yeah, thing. I agree. But it just it very much reminded me of the magic carpet from Aladdin. So Strange is stabbed by one of Cassilius' followers, then flees to the hospital to be operated on by Christine. While Christine works on Strange's corporeal form, Strange, with the help from Christine's defibrillator, defeats a follower of Cassilius in the astral realm. 
Yeah, that was a pretty neat sequence, I thought. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Ghost fight. I one of the reasons I want more Rachel McAdams in this in this movie is because I want more Doctor Strange right. in the real world <laughs> and people reacting to the crazy things that are happening. Yeah. Like I think that is when the movie is at its strongest to me, is when stuff like that is happening. Like Strange just like floating out of thin air and just like being there right next. Like I think that's that's the part that I really enjoy and I wanted more of that. And that's a special effect, like a visual effect that doesn't overdo it and is still cool in the yeah. movie. Right. And no kaleidoscopes to be found. Nope. Just ghost fighting. Just ghost fighting. <laughs> um, it's me, your boy. <laughs> hey, yo. So the Wait MCU... You get Vine now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The MCU has a weird relationship with magic um, and science and sort of the relationship between the two. And Chris, you wanted to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I just think magic was introduced in Thor. And I remember them making a big deal about Thor saying, this is going to be the movie that will introduce magic to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it did. We got gods. We got we got Asgard and all that. But there's also the scene where Thor is explaining it to Jane and he goes, your ancestors called it magic. You call it science. Where I come from. They're the same thing. And in this movie, it's, so there's magic. They, like, say one thing about, there are multiple dimensions. We could draw energy from those dimensions to do spells. And <laughs> and and there's, he's creating these mystical portals that you can step through the multiverse to. And there's a lot of great portal fights in this, too. Which yeah, makes it was a game portal, which is wonderful. Uh, and, and, like, those magical doors... He pushes the guy through the door to the desert, and then he closes the door, uh, so the guy is stuck in the desert. And then he does that to another person in the in the rainforest, and it's like, oh yeah, just these magical doors that go places. Uh, they have these mystical artifacts that are imbued with power, like the uh, what are the the launching boots? Or uh, I'm going to look this up right now. The vaulting boots of Valdor. Yes, the vaulting boots of Valdor, <laughs> which just sounds magical. Man, that sounds like an RPG thing. Uh, and and the staff of the Living Tribunal. Which is exciting. Ooh, because I didn't catch the name. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. Uh-huh. It's the staff of the Living Tribunal, which uh, the Living Tribunal in the Marvel comics is the ultimate judge of the Marvel multiverse, not just the Marvel universe. There is one Living Tribunal in all of the Marvel multiverse, which means that if the Living Tribunal ever does show up in these movies, in theory, it is the one from the comics. It's not based on the one from the comics. It's the same character, which I think would be really kind of fun. Uh, but, but yeah, so so there are these ancient artifacts. Like it is just straight up. Like they don't even try to say. And here's how the science works. It's just like we do magic. How energy? How multiverse? Yeah, it's magic. I mean, it's <laughs> and they're just, they're just like trusting. And then you know, like I said, I love the trippy, weird uh, visuals in this movie. And, you know, that they just went all in and said, we're going to make a weird movie about wizards. And they did it. And and it's a lot of fun to then see that world uh, collide with the MCU that we know when when Doctor Strange shows up in Infinity War and you have Tony Stark saying, all right, so these aliens are trying to steal a a magic rock from a wizard uh, uh, (laughs) in a necklace or whatever whatever it is he says. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's just fun to to really just see them go on and say well we don't have to couch it in science fiction terms anymore we're gonna we're gonna be mystical and, and strange I, I didn't even mean to do it Ding. damn it Ding. 
Classic little yeah. orange. Yeah, it is what stood out to me as weird about this movie because I remember in Thor, and I was always kind of impressed by it in Thor, how they just took great pains to explain this is not magic. This is, as Guardians just have very advanced science, everything has an explanation. And they, they still mm-hmm. kind of stuck with that with Asgard. And then finally Doctor Strange yeah, the comes out and they're just like, thing. hey, here, here's, here's magic. Magic's here. And yep. I mean, at this point, the MCU has gone so far that I accept it. Um, had Doctor Strange come out in phase one, it really would have bothered me, I think. And now, like, whatever. I guess, sure, there's there's mm. magic. <laughs> they kind of like, they midichlorined it. They yeah, were right, they reverse They reverse midichlorined it. Yeah, midichlorined it is what Thor did, just Thor did it well. Midichlorians is like, you bothered explaining something that didn't <laughs> need to be explained, and also your explanation is bad. <laughs> and you should feel bad. Oh, <laughs> what does Ray's midichlorian count? So uh, she, Christine ends up three. <laughs> uh, probably a solid three. Um, so Strange and Christine make up. Strange gets fixed up. They make up, and Strange return returns to the Sanctum. The Ancient One tells Strange he is the new defender of the New York Sanctum. Wow, he was a he was a surgeon at the beginning of the movie, and all of a sudden he's now a master of the New York Sanctum. But he's not master, he's not mister, he is Doctor Strange. So he starts the movie. We give you the Sanctum, but we do not grant you the title of master. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. Um, that's so cr- I just watched that movie literally yesterday. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, not for the first time. Speaking of movies where the yesterday. pacing is wild. <laughs> the Ancient One, uh, so it's strange. He starts off, he's a doctor. All of a sudden, he's now master of the New York Sanctum, and pretty soon he's going to become the Sorcerer Supreme. He goes from not knowing any magic to suddenly being the most powerful sorcerer on the planet. And to me... And I know to Peaches, it goes really quick. It just happens so fast. Because just a couple scenes ago, he's trying to figure out how to use his lightning whip. And then all of a sudden, he's the master of everything? Yeah. I. So here's, here's the deal with this. Is that, like, obviously this is an origin story, right? And we need to get him into the MCU so that we can have him doing Doctor Strange things in the MCU. So, like... In the short of, of around two hours, a short amount of time, he needs to be good enough to do those things in the other movie. And I get that. But when I first saw this movie, and really every time I've seen this movie, and I'll say, I'll preface this by saying, I do enjoy the movie overall, but I've always just kind of enjoyed it. I've never really felt strongly about it in any way. It's just, oh, that was a, that was a fun movie. And I didn't realize until this viewing that it all has to do with this pacing that you're talking about. It just feels so weird. It's it's like such a long time in the beginning of the movie of setting up how he is like an arrogant asshole and doesn't believe in magic at all. He like scoffs at the idea of the Ancient One talking to him about chakras and chi and like tapping into other... And like all the stuff that leads up to it. And then you know, ancient one pushes him out in a Mount Everest and is like, good luck, bitch. And he gets, and he gets it right, luckily. But then, you know, he, he ends up in the sanctum in New York. And as Eduardo said, he barely knows how to conjure the whip thing. And he's able to, albeit with the help of the magic carpet shaped like a cloak, um, he's able to defeat 
temporarily that encounter, but it's still, it just happens so fast where it's like that, it's like that montage moment in a movie, you know, in Rocky where he's training, except it's kind of believable that Rocky trained throughout the montage and he started kind of okay. And now he's pretty good. Whereas in this one, it's like, dude can barely use his hands and renounces magic existing whatsoever. And in the next frame, he's like whipping people and, and moving his hands around and and to go I don't know to go further they even discuss part of this earlier in the movie when he's talking to the ancient one and he's like you know you know how long is this gonna take and she tells them she asked him like how long did it take for you to become a renowned surgeon and he was like years of knowledge and practice and she's like well like same thing and he's like oh okay give me like a couple months I'm all set (laughs) you know is it it even a couple months like obviously some time passes in the movie in that sequence like you can tell that some time has passed but it's a vague amount of time we don't really know how long it's been to me and yeah that's a good point is that it's it's a weird line to throw in when one premise of this origin story is that like he's got a photographic memory and he can just learn things instantly like it's so it's kind of a I weird actually combination. Agree. It doesn't bother me that much because I do buy into the montage of this film and I buy into the hand waving of, you know, I am a genius with a photographic memory. The you know, the montage of him consuming the books really takes me most of the way there. I do buy into Stephen Strange being able to be ahead of the curve on, you know, the rest of humanity on learning this stuff. I think in general films do have a problem not just this film, like a lot of films do have a problem with time. Like there's not a reason, there's literally no reason at all that the montage of Doctor Strange learning couldn't have been years worth of time. You could have set this film as beginning earlier in the MCU timeline and then he's in Kathmandu for a long time. It takes a long time to conjure the dark dimension, whatever, you've got time with Cassilius. Um, Because I agree with you that the line about it taking, you know, years of practice and learning to get there I, I uh, agree with you that putting in that line and then, oh, it only takes weeks. Um, even for, for the believable quick learn of Doctor Strange, I agree with you that it's a little off. Uh, it still feels fine to me because I don't think that's unique to this film. Um, and I do – I don't think that he's just suddenly good. I think that we were shown him learning. I just think it's, you know, a, a little fast. You, you know what, though? I think it is unique to this film in the sense of the rest of the MCU. There's only one other movie that I think is an origin story and moves a little too fast for me in the entire MCU other than this one. (laughs) And that's Captain Marvel. And we're not going to talk about that right now. But I just, it's, it's not enough to like make me dislike the film. It's just, it, it's off putting. That's all. It's just kind of off. Well, yeah, we don't get the, we don't get the, the, the typically in these like montages or these like blocks where somebody like starts off and they kind of improve we don't get the improvement part we get the strange right doesn't understand we get the we, strange begins to figure it out but then we don't get the last part right. which is the strange figures is it figures it out and then is now you know adept like take ant-man for example ant-man's a perfect like comparison because we have that montage there of him he figures it out he, he starts he doesn't really know what he's doing he starts to figure it out we get that breakthrough scene where he, him and hope kind of like hash things out and then he starts to figure things out and then we kind of it's like believable that he's like at this point right. kind of started to master his thing we don't get that last section 
Right, we're given Doctor Strange. We're given the explanation for how he could be good in in that he is just such a good learner. We don't get the right. visual for that paying off. And I, I think I agree with that. And also, two other things I'll say about that is, one, I almost feel like he doesn't actually become a master in this film because he's still struggling with a lot of stuff and just lucking his way through. And in the end, he wins because he's good with an Infinity Stone, which it's an Infinity Stone. He doesn't do a lot of it's a cheat code. Like, like he doesn't do a lot of cool magic stuff really at any point in this film that isn't using the eye of Agamotto. Um he he's still outclassed in some of the magic by the people around him. And then all of a sudden in Infinity War he is, you know, OP. So I I, I don't feel like he goes that far in this film. But then we skip it and don't see it before the next time he's in the MCU. But the one that bothers me, the one that did yeah. take me out of the film uh -huh is in that magic fight, he's struggling with the magic, but he keeps winning hand-to-hand -hand combat, and I don't really know where that comes from. Yeah, I don't know how he's good at that. I mean, he did... Like, he's flipping people over mm -hmm. his back, and he's... Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you want to... If you want to stick with your guns on some of the points you made, they do show him and Mordo physically fighting, so maybe That's that true. one physical yeah, fight right. was a photographic... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, he does. And also, I think that yes. would have been the perfect opportunity for that last section of a montage that you just talked about. He fights Mordo, right. they actually use magic, and he goes, haha, I've got the upper hand because I know how to use magic mm. now. And then he, and then Mordo finish him, finishes him by going, yeah, bitch, but you don't have these vaulting boots and then <laughs> drop it. <laughs> like, that would have been cool, yeah. but it yeah. wasn't that, you know? Um, I think, and this is one of those off-screen things, but I talking about him being powerful in infinity war first of all i think a couple years have passed between dr strange and infinity war so i think it's more believable mm -hmm. that he now has a, a good handle on how to use magic at that point but they i think that the screenwriters or director or someone also said that he was effectively in the dark dimension for like a million years or something like that like that time loop went on a lot longer than we saw which gave him oh, wow. time to actually master the mystic arts. So when he got back, he was uh, he was pretty good at it. That's convenient. Yeah. That's Not super explained convenient. in the movies or anything like that, but it's there. Uh, just explain these things, guys. It's your no prize. Like, yeah, just, just explain have... that the Star Killer base can move. No, just explain. They have Dormammu have come to bargain, and then you get the like SpongeBob guy going one million years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, Strange continues to fight against becoming a sorcerer, protecting the earth. This is where we get that scene Chris talked about about he, how he um was like, you know, I was a doctor, I I, I took an oath to to save people, and I just killed someone. Um, he calls out the ancient one for tapping into the dark dimension, angering Mordo, and the three are interrupted by um, Kaecilius again attacking the Sanctum. Strange protects the Sanctum via the mirror dimension, but that increases the power of Kaecilius. Strange and Mordo flee from Kaecilius, who folds and shifts the New York architecture to pursue them. The two are saved by the Ancient One, whose skills show to Mordo she's using the Dark Dimension. She's got that weird little mark on her head, which is uh, sort of like um, Raven in... Uh... Do you guys oh, watch Teen, Teen Titans? Titans? Yeah, yeah. yeah, with like yeah. Her, her dad and how he like puts the mark on people's head. Yeah, Very similar characters. Um, Kaecilius stabs the Ancient One through one of his minions, and <laughs> you wrote kickers her <laughs> down, and I just think it's funny. Uh, he kicks her, her down. down. <laughs> kickers her That's down a missed. building. 
while dying in the hospital, the Ancient One talks to Strange in the Astral Realm. She reveals how long she's protected the world and how every vision of the future she saw showed her that he was next to do so. Uh, she allows herself to die and disappear. That's when we get that really Strange. cool slow motion lightning that yes. Robbie was talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, Strange tells Mordo of her death and he expresses disillusion at her lying to him and using the dark dimension. Uh, Strange convinces Mordo to help him protect the Hong Kong sanctum. Ta-da! Strange and Mordo arrive (laughs) to find Hong Kong in ruins! Um, Wong dead and the dark dimension consuming Earth. Um, Strange uses the Eye of Agamotto to reverse the damage to Hong Kong and save Wong. And during this, we get this uh, cool back, uh, like uh, backwards music thing happening. And honestly, just the music and throughout the the, the movie in general has been pretty uh, pretty on point. And Peaches, you think that the lute mandolin, um, what was the other one? Sitar. Mm-hmm. Sitar. Harpsichord. Harpsichord is really good in this. <laughs> yeah, I. So I, I don't have a ton to say about this because I, I, you know, I. I was in band in high school, but I'm not as musically inclined as some of the other people that have been here. That's because you were a drummer. Most of the Lord family. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I, I played the xylophone too. Ah, yeah. Okay, I played mallet instruments. So I know I just this is one of the. Okay. Call a bunch of people that follow just... the marching band around. The drum line. <laughs> Ooh. I messed that joke up a little bit. Wait, I don't get music, but that felt rude. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, that was rude. <laughs> Okay, all I'm trying to say is that this is one of the soundtracks in the MCU that you can instantly tell belongs to this movie. There's At this point, where we're at right now, there's a lot of great soundtracks in the MCU. But unless you're constantly watching these movies or listening to the soundtracks, you probably wouldn't be able to place every like epic tune that, with each movie that it actually came from, save for a couple of the movies out there um black panther being one of them this being another one i just think that this music fits so well with the character and the visualizations in the movie as eduardo said like the sitar and the other string instruments that accompany all the other music i it just fits so well with dr strange his character and everything that we've seen in the movie and it makes the like. There's not anything crazy going on in the credits of this movie, but they're enjoyable yes. because of the music. Yeah, those credits are really good. I love. I'm glad the you said that. Theme. So yeah, I I just really like the music a lot. I think it fits well. And if anyone disagrees with me, no, I, I think you're wrong. Yeah, but I you think we're I really like the <laughs> and uh, the specific segment where I thought, wow, I like this soundtrack, was the part where the the uh, cloak chooses him. And pulls him up on the stairs, and that's when you get the Doctor Strange theme. And, okay, yeah, so lots of movies have that movement. But it just works so well, and it's, it's honestly a good theme. Um, and then that, and then also the, the the crazy backwards music in the time. And this was the time I realized that, oh, I, and I haven't played it the other direction, but I recognized that, oh, this is music going backwards. Like, that's cool. I didn't even um, have to watch that scene again now. That's more Inception-related stuff if you want to compare oh, yeah. this to Inception. Like, the blah in Inception was just that song that they play over and over to wake them up, like, yes, slowed yeah. down do 40 or 400 times, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So, Horse. it's cool that they do stuff with the music that is 
parallel yeah. to what's actually going on in All right. the movie. Yeah, this this is the first movie that Michael Giacchino did the score for in the oh. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Michael Giacchino being one of the probably one of the great composers working today in film. Uh won an Oscar for Up. Um he did Rogue One. He he's he's done a lot. Uh Spider-Man. Yeah, he, yeah, he did, he did the two Spider-Man movies uh for the MCU as well. Uh oh. yep. Yeah, which was which also has a great theme, I think. Ba, 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 ba. Yes, that. Yep, that's the theme. Well, he he orchestrated he, he did orchestrate that for the movie though, which is great. Yes. Uh, but but yeah, no, I, I think Michael Giacchino is a great composer. I was very excited to hear that he was doing this movie, and he did not disappoint. Uh, I love that theme, and what's so cool, he he brings in a lot of sounds that, uh, that Peaches, you you alluded to this that that just feel like they belong in a movie about a strange wizard. Uh, and there's a lot of yes. harpsichord, a lot of Baroque stuff, which is kind of your traditional wizard stuff. But then he has a lot of... <laughs> traditional wizard <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's the name of my my uh, house rap band. You know damn well what I mean. Oh, I turned red. <laughs> I look like Thanos in the uh, the screen, but like Avengers era. Woo. Oh yeah, you do. Uh, um, uh, what I, what I mean by by traditional wizard stuff, I mean like like your your Western conception of wizards, uh, European Middle Ages sound. That's what I meant. But then he also pulls in the Eastern influence in the music. Uh, with the sitar and everything. And, and what I really like about it, especially in the song, the uh, second version of the theme that plays over the credits, uh, it's called Master of the Mystic, uh, which is like this really trippy 60s rock version yes. of it. And it is, what's what's so neat is that Eastern music had such an influence on psychedelic rock. So not only is he drawing on the Eastern influence, but he's drawing on the music that that music influenced itself. Uh, and it's the kind of music that had album covers that looked like pages from Doctor Strange or right. My note this movie. About, while I was watching my note while I was watching the credits was this is George Harrison composing for a movie after meeting Ravi Shankar. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's such a great sound, and we get a little bit of, when he shows up in um, in Thor Ragnarok. I don't think that. They used his theme per se, but they used a lot of the same instrumentation for the scene that takes place in the Sanctum. Um, similar instrumentation in Infinity War. And then the theme actually did come back in Endgame uh, when we see the Ancient One for the first time uh, at the Sanctum uh, in 2012. Which is also a good scene. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, we'll talk about that. Future episode. In a couple months. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we talk about the one of the things that I thought was interesting about that scene is that she knew back then that Stephen yes. Strange was going to be mm-hmm. the the new Sorcerer Supreme. She knew even then. She had known probably for a long time at that point. Yep. And she makes it clear in this movie, but I never thought about it until rewatching it after seeing Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. While she's talking to him, while he's like, while she's like about to die, she talks about That's how right. like she has always seen that he was going to be the Sorcerer yep. Supreme and stuff like that. She probably just used the time stone. Maybe. I mean, oh, she yeah. was tapping into dark yeah. magic. Why wouldn't she use the time stone? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, so, Peach is rude. <laughs> 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 <In> conclusion. 
So while time moves backwards, Strange, Mordo, and Wong fight uh, fight off Caecilius and his minions. Strange realizes fighting Caecilius will do nothing and flies into the Dark Dimension. In the Dark Dimension, Strange confronts the floating head of Dormammu, the demon in charge of the dimension, and asks him to bargain. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Here's a short... Here's a short little story about the creation of this podcast. <laughs> so back in the day, we were mm-hmm. just coming up with the idea for the podcast, and Chris sent me over and I like a, a template, kind of like a like a little snapshot of what the intro could be. And he had put the Dormammu I'd come to bargain a couple of times, and we decided against it. To be fair, I decided against it. Because I was like, wow, the joke is funny. I don't think just like first time listeners will get it. It'll just sound like the same thing repeated. I think for like people who like have seen Dr. Strange recently or kind of like remember it, I think it, it's funny, but I think for people that didn't remember it, I don't, I don't think they would get it, but I don't know what it, listeners, what do you think? Do you think you'd get it? Do you think it'd be funny if we had that in there? We'll just do it for this episode. Maybe I will. Well, that's true. Just like every time. Every line. That's what I did with with Groot for the Guardians episode. (laughs) Yeah, you cut this out, but do it. Sure, sure. You know what? By by the time they get to us talking about telling you to do it, they will have already heard. That's true. So I'll I'll keep I'll I'll keep this discussion, and they'll go, "Oh, that's why they did that." Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dormammu immediately kills Strange, who then reappears, having created an infinite time loop. Dormammu repeatedly, brutally kills Strange, reveals he doesn't care about dying painful deaths because the world is safe as long as Dormammu is trapped with him. Um, Robbie, I want you to contradict yourself and talk about the cleverness and freshness of the villain encounters in the movie after already talking about <laughs> some of the things you didn't like about the villain encounters. No, 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 no. Don't mistake me. I am bored by the villain. I am wowed by the encounters. Um... Yeah, there's kaleidoscopes in them. <laughs> there's kaleidoscopes in one of them, at least involving Doctor Strange. Um, I just like that, that each of them is so clever and interesting. And this movie absolutely has some of my favorite fights in the MCU. Um, the The Sanctum fight is, it's really fun watching Doctor Strange start to use his powers, um, maybe a little too quickly. But it's watch, fun watching Doctor Strange use his powers, find creative ways to get people, like shoving them out of doors and changing the doors. Um, one of the best shots in this whole film is the cloak beating the guy senseless while Stephen Strange is, is like, <laughs> I was hurting myself laughing. And this is like this, like, I've probably seen this movie 10 times. Um, there's just the cloak beating the guy's head against the ground in the background is, is, it's funny. Um, but that fight's fun. Fight New York with all its kinetic energy. Um, I'm going to be honest, I never thought of Kaleidoscope, but y'all write the Mirror Dimensions of Kaleidoscope. That's probably really obvious. It had not occurred to me. I just thought it looked neat. Um, but all the all the kinetic energy and the impossible effects in the New York fight are great. Um, Tilda Swinton, I love the Ancient Ones combat in this, how she's just like effortlessly and nonchalantly kicking ass is really fun. Like she's going to be yawning any second now when some guy falls into a grinder made out of an edifice. Um, and yet she gets stabbed right, right in the tummy. Um, but through a dude. <laughs> Can't magic your way out of that. Um, the Hong Kong fight is fun with the, the music we already talked about and the the way they're using the reversal in time, how everyone is fighting over stuff being 
rebuilt that was destroyed, uh, the way the smoke evaporates, the way people fly off the ground back into cars. Like yeah, they're fighting. That was cool. Right. They're fighting forward while time is backing up around them. And that was just really neat to me. And specifically... I do like Kaecilius being thrown into a brick wall yes. that then rebuilt. Itself. And specifically, my oh, argument... God's sake, Montresor. And specifically, the argument I was making with Peaches earlier is, yes, the, the Ancient One fight at the start of the movie and the New York fight are pretty much the same gimmick. But all of the Doctor Strange fights, they are different. They have different gimmicks, different um, visuals, different effects going on. But then most significantly, that final encounter is just so clever and fresh and what I wish there was more of in the MCU. I like the occasional, you know, boss fight beatdown, but I love that the the ultimate victory over Dormammu is literally just self-sacrifice and really clever, um, a really clever manipulation of the tools at hand. And it's just, I liked it. I liked that it wasn't, well, I'm going to out-magic Dormammu. It was, well, I'm just going to outsmart him and trap him and make him an offer of he can't refuse and and i just really like it and it's just when i was first watching it when he flew the dark dimension i was braced for okay he's gonna do something some crazy magic to pull out of his ass and beat dormammu and instead i was absolutely blown away by just how they took a different route from what you'd expect from in the superhero movie and i still like it, it it's i mean he literally he literally annoyed him into yes <laughs> i love that yeah <laughs> like I, I don't know i don't know how i feel about it but i don't need to go at length to discuss it i just kind of neutral on it but I, he could have just ignored it tell dormammu i said hello <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how um the seeds for uh strange's plan were planted throughout the movie uh when like he's apple first seeds. messing exactly yeah well the first when he is messing with the eye and uh turning the apple back and forth through time um mordo tells strange be careful because you can create a time loop mm -hmm. and then after the first sanctum fight when uh Caecilius is in the bands he says that the dark mansion is a place out of time and strange being the uh genius that he is makes a connection between all of those things and realizes this is what he has to do so strange convinces dormammu to leave earth alone and takes Caecilius with him um, Mordo expresses anger at Strange's breaking of the laws of nature and leaves him. Uh, Strange places the Eye of Agamotto in its storage location, which is strange because every other shot of the Eye of Agamotto mm -hmm. is on his person for, for every other movie, like for both of the other movies that we've seen with him. Um, Wong refers to it as an infinity stone and Strange asks what that and the means. Audience gasps. And Strange settles into the New York Sanctum. Mm -hmm. what the credits we get um another stupid mid-credit scene which is just a scene from a movie coming up which i think is dumb i hate when they do this and i guess yes. i hate it specifically as a retrospective like every time we go into retrospective and it's just a scene from a, an upcoming movie i'm like well i feel like i was cheated out of a post-credit yep. scene yeah, and i agree I remember the first time you funny. see it it's like oh wow he's gonna meet thor <laughs> yay which which sounds right. cool Wait, is that is that scene directly from Ragnarok? Yes. It is directly from Ragnarok. Slightly edited down. Oh, a little bit more happens in Ragnarok, but it is, yes, it's directly okay. from Ragnarok. It is a good and funny scene that I like a lot, but I'm with Eduardo that it is a good scene in Ragnarok. It is a lame mid credit scene. 
I didn't realize that it was directly. From I mean, it. and at the time, I really liked it because I was like, "Oh, this is so cool." And now, looking back and realizing it's literally just another scene from the movie, kind of like um, Bucky and um, Cap and um, Falcon um, at the end of whatever movie that was. Is it Ant Man? Cap, what? what yeah, movie was it? it was Ant That was uh, that was Ant Man. Was it Ant Man? Because uh-huh. um, that was I know was just... or the one at the end of. Of first Avenger, where it's just the preview of, of right. It just <laughs> yeah. it just seems kind of cheap, you know. I want an actual post credit scene, even if it's just you know Howard the Duck. I, it's still cool. Well, but hey, that's what we get in our second one, at least. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But we do get another another post credit scene with Mordo conf- uh, confronting the former paraplegic from earlier, and he removes his magic, crippling him. Mordo says the problem with the world is there are too many sorcerers. And Chris, you like the way Mordo was handled in this movie? Yes, I do. Because uh, as we talked about the, at the top of the of the episode, Baron Mordo is probably Doctor Strange's biggest enemy. It's like or like his his big arch enemy. And they really, to me at least, even though I knew that going in, they didn't play him as a villain or even as a potential villain, I thought, at least throughout this movie. He is an ally of Strange up until the end when he realizes that his philosophy is just completely incompatible. Because, I mean, there is, you know, sort of an edge to them when they're fighting and everything, but he is the one that convinces the Ancient One, hey, we should take this Strange fellow in. Uh, I know you're afraid he's going to end up like Caecilius, but I think he could be he could be a great sorcerer. He could he could be great, and and he teaches him. He's the one when when the ancient one strands him on Mount not Everest. Again. He says, "Oh no, not again!" <laughs> and he goes to get him, and ancient one stops him, and you know, Strange gets through. And when he gets angry with Strange, it's because he truly believes that sorcerers should not. Even though they use magic, he, he he takes a firm stance on subverting the laws of time and nature. And when he realizes that the Ancient One has been doing this, drawing power from the Dark Dimension, just like Cassilius is trying to do, he feels betrayed because he feels like everything that he's been taught was a lie. And when Strange proves that he's willing to do that, and he says, I can't do that. Now, then it pushes him into what looks like it's going to be you know, some pretty hardcore villainy there at the end. But this movie is his origin story as well as, as Dr. Strange's. And I think that for people who maybe didn't know that Mordo was a bad guy, I wonder how they, you know, I, I wonder if it worked for them, The you know, the way, even though I did know that, I thought it worked pretty well in this. I mean, as someone who knew Mordo was a bad guy, the first time I watched this film, I started thinking, what did they, like, I was convinced they had just reimagined Mordo in this universe as a good guy. And there were even points mm-hmm. that I was wondering, like, did I, am I just wrong? Is Mordo actually a good guy? And I'm just incorrect. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think you're right. I, I did not see it coming. Here's a couple things that I want to add that I like about um, his depiction in this movie. Um, first of all, the costume that they have for Mordo is a great like parallel to what he wears in the comics with like the green with like the little splashes of yellow in between. Like, I think it's well done, but if you want to talk about the, like er, the very beginning of the episode, we talked about possibly the rock in a hard place they had with, you know, how do we cast the ancient one properly? And maybe they did an okay job, but maybe they didn't. Um, 
Baron Mordo in the comics is a white Romanian dude. He is not a white Romanian no. <laughs> dude in the movie, and I think it worked out really well. Great. I really like the portrayal of, of yeah. Baron Mordo in this movie. And, and, yeah, and I don't know. I think he was well done. I, I also knew he was a villain because of Marvel Avengers <laughs> Alliance. But yeah. <laughs> but I I liked his arc. I thought it yeah, was I well agree. done. Maybe I'm just, it's because I watched Revenge of the Sith yesterday, but I'm getting, I'm starting to draw parallels between Mordo and, um, and Steve's relationship with like Anakin and Obi-Wan. And now I'm picturing, um, and, or, uh, Mordo and Steve on Mustafar and Steve being like, it's over Mordo. I have the <laughs> high ground. And I'm also picturing parallels between Steve and Mordo and, um, Hal Jordan and Sinestro, like very parallel characters, and it, 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 like very similar, like like yeah. story beats are happening there. Like um, mentor brings him in. Um, the, the the mentee ends up outshining the mentor. They have like difference of opinion as far as like like philosophically difference of opinion on like what they think they should be doing better. And then the other one ends up becoming the arch rival of the the, the original. This might be a reach, but is Doctor Strange? Like uh, Marvel's answer to Green Lantern or vice versa? I have often thought that Doctor Strange fills the Green Lantern role in Marvel crossovers, yes. Yeah, like, I don't know who was first, but, like, the power that Green they Lantern, have with I'm the ring sure. is, is kind of similar to, like, yeah. gonna do whatever I feel like with magic. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I actually, like, I like Doctor Strange more than Green Lantern, um, but I, I think you're right. They fill kind of a similar role in their universes, um Eduardo just punched you with his face. <laughs> well Green Lantern's my favorite superhero. Wow, there's a whole lot of silence happening right now. Okay. There's a lot of no, I like a I'm lot of Fs because... in the chat for uh, the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> I'm just sorry out, because as upset as I was, as upset as I was about the Amazing <laughs> Spider Man movies, I can't imagine if Amazing Spider Man got the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern treatment and that was my favorite superhero. There are so many great Green Lantern stories to tell. Like, imagine like the Blackest thing. Night, Brightest Day storyline playing out on screen. How amazing would that be? I think that would be so cool, and it's never going to happen, and I need to stop dreaming, and I need to just wake up, because it's just never going to happen. They're just never going to do it justice. Evanescence, wake up. <laughs> Also, Green Lantern was 1940, so way before Doctor yeah. Strange. Okay. Okay. But he was also kind of different before. True. Remember when his uh he, he was like weak to wood? What? Anything wooden, he would no. be like, yeah. I just know before him as weak it was to a co- color, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he eventually becomes weak to, to... I mean, like, he's technically not necessarily weak to yellow. He's weak to, to fear, which personified as a color is yellow. Well, how come all-star batman painted that room yellow <laughs> well sure I, I think they've like since like tried to yeah. explain it a little more so it's not just he's a, he's you know the color yellow Ooh, no. i think they've tried to like ah, right big bird no <laughs> his greatest enemy so uh mvps of this movie who, who are we thinking who who are we thinking for mvp of this movie robbie we'll start with you all right um I think I kind of kind of went on about it, but I just 
it's weird because she doesn't deserve to be the MVP uh, because what we talked about with the whitewashing and the ignoring of Tibet. But every time Tilda Swinton is on screen, I think it's fantastic. She is just a wonderful character. Um, the From the moment of the bait and switch when she's offering him tea and we find out that she is the ancient one, I just think she, I wanted more ancient one. And Endgame gave me more ancient one and it's another great scene. But I thought Tilda Swinton um was the mvp um what about you eduardo uh for me i already had a whole talking point on it but christine palmer anytime she was on screen i loved it anytime she was not on screen sometimes i'd get kind of bored uh, i just really like uh i really enjoyed when she was on because i thought it, it it created a nice contrast um to what was going on with strange and what like we would react to that in the real world and i wanted to see more of that maybe we'll get a little bit more of it but i think instead we'll get a little bit more a little probably a little bit more zany in the next one i think they're gonna probably take a little bit more liberties and go a little bit more crazy so we'll see uh, chris what about you uh well i just talked about him but and i actually didn't expect this to even to be my answer until i watched it again but uh mordo is my mvp i think i think chiwetel ejiofor plays that character so well that you know, it's sad when he realizes that he cannot walk this path any longer and that, that he's now going to be opposed to Strange and the Sorcerers. Uh, you know, you, you feel his, you know, the betrayal that he feels. And, and I just think he's a really compelling and interesting character up to that point as well. How about, uh, how about you, Danny? <laughs> Uh, well, my MVP... Big Orange. The Big Orange, yes. My oh, yeah. favorite... Uh, no, my MVP is everyone's favorite sentient cloth since 1992, the Cloak of Levitation. 1992? Uh, Magic Arpus. Oh. <laughs> Aladdin. Yes. I got it. <laughs> uh, unless there's any that I uh, am forgetting in that time span, but uh, none are springing to mind. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the Cloak of Levitation um, literally saves Stephen Strange's life. Uh, so without the cloak, um, I think the dark dimension overtakes Earth, and there's no future. So, you know, give the assist to the game-winning goal, to the cloak. Uh, but yeah, just the way that it's animated, it has a personality, but it doesn't even have a face. Uh, so anytime that happens is impressive. I know uh, Chris kind of took all my thunder when he brought up the magic carpet. I'm sorry, I, I didn't gonna... realize that was going to be a thing oh. you were going to do. I I have my bad, I guess. Well, I mean, that's why we have notes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't <all> steal. Right. <laughs> well, uh, I'll toss it to the old yeah. peach. The old peach. Oh, the oh, old boy. peach. It's interesting, it's interesting that none of us chose the title character for Benedict Cumberbatch's <laughs> Doctor Strange. I went the similar route as Danny, though. I think that the the MVPs of this movie are the two things that saved Doctor Strange's life. He wouldn't have lived uh, if it weren't for these things. One of them being the cloak, and the other thing being the seatbelt in the car that was not as high tech as it should have been. <laughs> in uh, Pennsylvania, that round up in New York. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Mostly though, it's the cloak and the seatbelt is there for the for the lulls. I, I agree with you. He didn't have he didn't have the skills, even though the movie portrayed him as being zero to a hundred real fast, to win in that fight without the cloak's help. So, I go cloak. I go, do want to give an honorable mention to the doctor in the hospital that's uh, gets the snack from the vending machine. 
<laughs> yeah. He does that turn around once the, the astral projections run through and knock all the chips down. It's just such a fluid move. Uh, I like, thought that deserved uh, a shout out. I heard yeah, some more chips. I would, that's me. That's yeah. me yeah. in real life. We all so when are we going to... We need to get a spinoff movie starring the real heroes of the MCU. Uh, the, the Cloak of Levitation, the Seatbelt, and the Rat in the storage <laughs> facility. Without them, there would be no Earth. There'd be no universe. The new Avengers. Yeah, exactly. So how does this movie fit in the MCU? I will start us off and say, I don't think it does. I think this movie made a conscious effort to separate itself from the MCU while referencing other MCU-like films. Like I think it's like, hey, look, we're not the Avengers. We're different. We are our own thing. This is different. And while it's got some some similar structure, I think... It's its own thing, man. It's its own weird psychedelic thing. Like I think you start to sort of um, splinter at this point. The, the the MCU is starting to splinter off in other sections of the MCU, and this to me is the beginning of the mystic section of the MCU. So while it fits into the greater MCU, I don't think it fits into the MCU that we have been seeing um, from the beginning. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm sitting here thinking about how I guess did did. Uh... Heimdall just decide the most important person to send Bruce Banner to is the wizard dude. Is that how that ended up happening? Because that's he's completely disconnected from the MCU until that moment, and that's a good point that you bring up. Yeah, I'm, I assume he does. Also, what a waste of Heimdall. You know what? I don't want to talk about it yet because future I'm going to rant on it when we get to <laughs> the future episode. But man, what a waste! I'm assuming Infinity War is only going to be like an I agree. Hour episode, I, though I think. Oh yeah, sure, real sure. Yeah. We all know what to talk about there. <laughs> I, th- I think, back to what I was saying earlier, this is like one of, there are so many origin stories in the MCU, and this is the only, this is like one of the very few that just feels not as well done. Um, so maybe that's more about how it feels as a film than how it fits into the MCU. I do think, thematically, we, we get the time stone, which is a huge, important part of the final story, but um, you don't really know it's a time stone till the end of the movie, but it is important that it exists. Um, I don't know from a story per- perspective, it adds some stuff, but yeah, I think it kind of sits on its own from a film perspective. Yeah. I, um, I mean, certainly it introduces a lot of concepts that will be important to the MCU going forward. A lot of characters that'll be important. Uh, it fleshes out and kind of redefines magic in the MCU from what we know it. And and with Doctor Strange's next aspir- uh, next appearance being in Thor Ragnarok, that kind of builds the bridge between the old way of looking at magic in the MCU and the new way. I mean, and you get Thor saying, "Well, Earth has wizards now." Okay, uh, you know, and and thereon we accept it. Um, so, oh. so there's that, but. Thor magic is 10 boats. Doctor Strange magic is yes, 9 boats. That's a reference everyone listening will understand. Uh, yeah. Probably. Um, I don't. <laughs> Not um, even Danny understands it. <laughs> um, but uh, but as, as far as fitting in with like, everyone always talks about, oh, the Marvel House style, the Marvel House style. And this movie, I feel like, was like a conscious uh, like rebuttal of that. It was, we're going to make a movie that looks ridiculous and trippy and psychedelic and it does not look like other marvel movies and i think that is really to its credit that it stands out that way 
Uh, I don't like seeing movies in 3D. I I never do it. And this movie, I said, I'm going to go see this one in 3D. And I'm very glad I did because those visuals worked really well in three dimensions. It's the one of the only times I've ever made that choice. And I think that, I mean, I won't even do that with other Marvel movies, but the fact that this one was trying to be so visually different from the rest of the MCU. And, and I think that's, I think that's a good thing because if you look at the Marvel comic universe, every, you know, different books have different artists have different styles, but they're all part of the same universe. And this is the movie side saying, Hey, we can do that too. Danny. Nah, you, uh, you guys got it. Have a response you covered that. it all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is his first episode. He hasn't seen the rest of the MCU. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, he yeah, did the bonus episode. I know episode. the future <laughs> and everything up to this yeah, He was in a bonus episode. <laughs> oh, so he's seen bonus. Oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> Ratings. Robbie, what would you rate Doctor Strange? I love this movie. Um, I give it eight tiny fingertip hands out of ten fingers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which part, Peaches? <laughs> Never mind. Danny, what about you? Uh, I give it seven and a half stitches in my hand out of ten. Yeah, yours specifically. Yes, <laughs> not not his hands, my hand. This one. <laughs> I will also give it seven and a half long laughs out of ten. Wow, that's like a fun looking shape. Thank you. <laughs> My scar. <laughs> For the listeners that couldn't see that. Oh yeah. They remind him that the past is real. <laughs> I uh I gave it seven bills come due out of ten. Ooh. And I also gave it seven bargain journeys out of ten. So how are we gonna rank this one, guys? For me. It sits just above Hulk. Like, kind of like right in the middle for me. So, number one. I thought... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I think it's better than uh, a a decent amount of the movies that came before it. Um, But I don't think it's better than some of the best Marvel movies. Danny? Um, Of the movies up to this point, it's in uh, top five. Well, give give us your full ranking because we've never heard it before. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes, full rankings of movies up to this point. Uh, and keep in mind, I have not been re-watching all of these along with you, so I don't know how accurate it actually is. But what I looked at... Who allowed you on? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, so Civil War, Guardians, Avengers, Winter Soldier, then Doctor Strange, top five, followed by Ant-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Iron Man 2, no, no, sorry. Iron Man 3, Ultron, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, and Hulk. Uh, so this is, this is my Dark Horse. Swamp this Swamp. is my, you know, this is what Hulk was for Eduardo at the start of this uh, series. You know, that thing that you love more than other people. Um, that's Doctor Strange for me. It's in my top four. Uh, it's only behind Avengers, Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy, which still are my clear top tier. And then this is the this is the top of every movie that's after those three. Huh. Uh, I still, I realized I hadn't ranked it yet. Doctor Strange. My phone auto Rating the movie we're doing isn't important. Yeah, no, I rated it. I just didn't rank it. I'm terrible at rankings. I think I finally, 
and this is subject I might rethink this. I think I put it just ahead of Ultron, just behind Iron Man. Um, I actually do like this movie quite a bit, uh, but it's not necessarily one that I would sit down and go, I'm going to watch Doctor Strange now. It, it's not one of the first ones I would think <laughs> You're wrong. Do you ever proclaim other movies? You're about I, to don't watch usually, I don't That's usually what I did proclaim. last night. Last night I said, ha ha, time for Lion King one and a half. I regret it. <laughs> I regretted it. Uh, the you messed up. tunnel song sometimes pops into my head. And I don't know why. Before the hyena comes. I kind of have uh, Doctor Strange in the back half. Uh, it comes right after Cap, uh, but before Thor. So Doctor Strange, then Thor, then Ultron, and then et cetera, et cetera. Um, also, I wasn't on the Civil War episode, so just so everybody's aware, if you're if you're playing along at home, I, I gave Civil War an eight. And I'll briefly, briefly touch on that. I love all of the action sequences in Civil War. I think they're... It's really cool to see all these characters playing together. I love the introduction of Black Panther and the introduction of Spider-Man. Um, I think it's hard to watch that movie just spontaneously because underneath all of that cool, great stuff is a really heavy story. And while I like sad stories, I don't like to watch sad stories on <laughs> repeat. So that's why it's not a little bit higher, but it's still in my top five. and It's, it's number four right now out of everything that we've watched. It's just, uh, it's behind Avengers Winter Soldier Peaches. and Guardians. Because no, keep going. I would sad. like to point out that this movie is the first time you and I have a major divergence in our lists. Like, our lists are really similar. Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange is the first one. Like, our top, like, your top four is the same as my top five, just I have Doctor Strange inserted between Guardians and Civil War. Yeah, we do. We do have a pretty similar list. Other than that, I don't know, man. I just this, I like architecture folding more than you. That's the key, right I, there. You do, and and I like a, I like a fleshed out origin story better. I like a character development that actually makes sense. So and then there's Eduardo's list. <laughs> Ain't nothing like me, but me. It's <laughs> <laughs> Christmas list that I look. I at think this might be our longest range. episode. I think I'm not Every right. time we say that, we do a longer episode. So you know what. Yeah, but, but for real, though, I think it is. Uh, no, we did a pretty long one last week. No, last week is we our longest one that. so far. and Yeah, this has to be shorter than Civil War. It is so far right now shorter, and that's with like the 10 minutes that aren't this show. Uh, so I think that's going to... Wait, we never mentioned... Hang on, we never mentioned that Benedict Cumberbatch plays Dormammu. Oh, that's true, he does. Yeah, he's yeah. Now we've mentioned Dormammu. it. I didn't know that oh, at yes, all. I did it. That's I didn't know that at all. <laughs> That's why Dormammu sounds like smog. That's why the movie is called Benedict Cumberbatch Presents <laughs> Starring Dormammu. <laughs> yeah. He did the motion capture and voice. Interesting. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Huh. So that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. Thanks, everybody, who's uh, who's listening to the show so far. We are still chugging along. We've got lots of movies to cover. There's going to be some Disney Plus shows coming out next year, which we'll also cover. So stay tuned for all the fun goodness. Um, you can email the show at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow it on Twitter at assemblycast. Um, and you can follow these guys. You've got... Uh, D underscore Peaches, The Sound Lord, Phil Kid 3, and DLars93. I can be found. That's not at... my Twitter account. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. GatorSax2010. I don't yeah. know why it's. Right. I didn't do it. Uh, what? Follow the Sound Lord, too. I trusted these notes. 
Uh, you can find me at ABCD Eduardo one. Uh, that's going to do it for myself, for Danny, for Chris, for Peaches, for Robbie. We love you 3000, everybody. See ya. Excelsior. Elytra. Wobbly, wobbly. Uh... demands of you i know I, I just get ordered around in these episodes that's true chris cut this chris add that <laughs> chris don't do a large monologue here <laughs> the sound lord will fix it the sound lord will fix it i wish the sound lord would shut up <laughs> y'all hate me until it's time to edit the audio you're making this harder for me that's what she sound lord i've come to bargain oh boy <laughs> Sound Lord, I've come to bargain. What is this? Song?